This is Rating Descending. Where we watch IMDb's worst 250 movies so you don't have to. I'm Michelle St. Clair. I'm Abigail Ward. And this week we watched Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin try to keep their relationship together even as they must stop Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy from freezing Gotham City. Let's watch. Well, I mean, this week, look, I'll just get right into it. This week we have a guest. We have Shane Anderson on again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hello, hello, hello. Ow. Thank you so Ow. much for having me on. This is a, a this is a treat. Oh. So now you asked to be on this episode, what, like two years ago? Like ages ago. <laughs> yes. And asked is the gentleman. I begged <laughs> as soon as I found out it was on the list. And I was shocked because it's one of those ones where I didn't expect it to be on the list. And then I'm like, I, I'll just go down because I was on the website. I'm like, oh, Batman and Robin. And my first thought is, no, it's not one of the worst movies ever made. And then I was like, I have to be on this episode. Yes. The amount of the fact that you did it two years in advance. I mean, most people don't plan a, plan a wedding in two years in advance. You know? I, I planned my wedding in like five months and you're, you're here prepping two years in advance for this episode. Oh, yes. I, I have to know what draws you to this film why this film well in some ways i've been prepping my entire life uh, <laughs> uh, for this moment for oh this my moment. god I, we're not gonna live up um batman and robin is it's well for one it's it was kind of that and forever were the two batman movies i saw first it was my first ever exposure to batman but and if and this is a really common thing if you ask gay men my age like me um most of them are far hotter than i am um if you ask gay men my age a lot of them are going to talk about how Batman and Robin was their sexual awakening. In particular, mm. Chris O'Donnell as Robin. In this no one, way! Not even mm. kidding. It is really... Like, I thought I was the only one, and it's one of those things, and you two would both know this, is that when you've discovered your sexuality, you've articulated it to yourself, and then mm. you, you, re, you, you sort of travel back. Every time you remember something, you're going, oh, oh, that thing that... I felt at that time, oh, that was the gay. That was the gay yeah, happening. Yeah. And and then you travel back and you realise, and you, you you sort of almost like like an uh, uh, an archaeologist digging into all your life experiences <laughs> and realising how many of them were you being gay and the reacting gay, to something. The gayness is yeah. what we call it in clinical terms. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, this is, as far back as I can go, this is the, the earliest... Oh my god! I see that. That's what I'm attracted to. That's hot, you know. And, and this is the earliest one. Before that, I can't find any movie before that that I had reacted to like that. Whereas mm, this one, and mm. at the time, you're like, "This is cool. I want to be them or something like that." You know, I want to be mm. some buff, mm. chiseled action hero kind of guy. I'm sorry, but sorry. Wait, Shane just made these movements that looked like he was giving dual hand jobs <laughs> when he was saying buff and chiseled. Well, we aspire to that as well. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, it's one of those ones where I genuinely enjoy it. And, like, at the time as a kid, I loved it because it's, it's a wacky kids movie. And then as an adult, I came to realise that a lot of people did not like this movie. But I still loved it. And I was like, why is mm. that? And then you realise once you fully articulate, oh, it's because it's it's like the gayest movie, the gayest superhero movie you've ever seen in your life. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's why I'm responding to all of these elements. Like... He knew what he was doing when he had the butt shots, like top, front, and center. Oh, you know, a hundred. It is such a camp film, 
And I and I want to say like straight off the bat, I do not get why it is on the list either. Yeah. Because I had such a I'd never seen it before, and I had such a wonderful time watching it, specifically because of Uma. Mm. and because of arnie and because of how camp and fun it was to be honest for me it felt like one of the first i'm not a massive superhero movie person which means i haven't seen a lot of them Mm. but this felt like one of the first batman adaptations where i could really get a sense of what the comics probably felt like and Mm. i really liked that about this film so i frankly had a great time and i don't get why it's on the list either i I think it's bullshit I know why it's on the list, and it's for, we can go into it later on when we sort of talk about the production, I guess. But um, it's sort of on the list for the same reason that like a lot of people don't like the Last Jedi is that it pissed mm. off the right people. If, if, if yeah, in a way, um, it. Sorry, I've just I just lost train of my notes. Um, oh, he's got notes. I do. I brought Again, notes. more prepared than us. <laughs> I have notes. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you have notes? I, I don't, it's all up in here, baby. It's all up in the old. This um, thing is priceless. It's worth more than my phone. This thing is uh, the, the magic that's in my brain compared to my stupid notes app. But now I have to keep all of this. <laughs> but it's like what Abby said is that for me, when I saw it, I was like, because the whole concept of Batman to me is silly. It is ridiculous. Yeah. There's a guy who dresses up mm. as a bat and he's like cavalcade of carnival villains that yes. he just refuses to murder. Like, there's, Mr. Freeze is a real character from the comics, Poison mm. Ivy, and, and you know, they're, they're ludicrous. And so this movie, to me, is, like, doing that. Yeah. And, mm. and uh, we can talk about it in the trivia and stuff or when we're talking through the movie, but there's a lot of the things that a lot of people sort of didn't like or, or thought were stupid or bad puns, which are t- literally lifted straight from the comic books. Yeah, that's the thing. All of the quips and all of the puns that, again, we can go into later because they're fantastic. It really, again, it feels so comic booky. And I was like, I get it. I get the feel of the comic books in a way I've never gotten it before with Batman. And I feel like there's so many, I feel like superheroes were created to be camp and fun. And now a lot of superhero films are incredibly dark and serious. And I feel like I struggle to take it that seriously. Whereas with Batman and Robin, I was like, this is kind of what I would want out of a superhero film. Again, I know my brain is warped. I know that we're, what, 200 films into this? No, 150 films into this. We're 160. 160. And I know my brain is warped from it, but I I do feel like this was a good time. Can I ask, Abby, have you seen any of the other of this Batman series, the Burton Schumacher ones? No. That makes sense because because I'm I'm with both of you in that I don't think this movie should be on this list. I agree, I, and I had a great time watching it. My my upfront opinion is that I actually had much more fun with it than Batman Forever, which I had problems with. Really? But I'll, I'll I'll get into it. But I I thought I had seen the Tim Burton Batman's before because my dad had them and really enjoyed them, and I didn't really and like so they were on, but I thought that I was watching bits from across all four of them. No, I've seen this movie several times. I have never seen the Burton Batmans until earlier this week because I watched through all of them in prep for this episode. The 89 Batman and Batman... they fuck so hard, I, yeah. man. They're I, so good. Listen, I, I'm actually, I, I come to this episode with a lot of questions. Yes. Because I thought you might. I did extra research. It, thank you, because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a Batman girly. I've never had a Batman phase, and I'm not, I'm just not a superhero fan in general. So I don't know the timeline of movies that were coming out in the 80s and 90s 
before this. So when you say the so and so series, already forgotten what you said. What was it? Buck, Buck and Micah, Burton, Burton Micah, Schumacher, but Burton Schumacher. Did those films start in the eighties, and were they the ones with Jack Nicholson? You know what? Why don't I just get into the key details? Okay. Why, uh, I know it's early in the episode, but let's just fucking do it, guys. Yeah, let's do it. We're, we're the masters of our own destiny. We yeah. can do whatever we we're want. We're the captains of our soul, Who's the masters gonna, of our fate. Who's going to stop us? IMDb yeah. bus, baby. Let's We've proven he has, he has no power over us. That's he, not true. He has no power over us. Just because you say it does not make it be. No, no, I'm pretty sure this is the ending of either Labyrinth or Elmo and Grouchland. <laughs> I can't remember. I think it's Labyrinth. <laughs> You know what? We could defeat the IMDb boss baby through the power of friendship alone. If we all held hands... Oh, Shane, you're on Zoom. Fuck. Because I was going to say, if the three of us held hands together, maybe we could have the, the power of friendship to defeat them, but never mind. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> another right. week, another void space we crawl back into. Right, Thanks, well, Shane. <laughs> guess it's time for the key details. Yeah. <laughs> this one came out in 1997. Yeah. Instead of going through the rest of them immediately, I, I, I have production history notes on Batman, a little bit on Batman Returns, so that's less written down, and then on Batman Forever. Let's right? go further back. I want the guy that created it. I want where Bob he was Kane. born. I want how his parents met. I, I, want, I, I want to know where they fucked. I, I want to know, know how things. he was conceived. I want to know his star know sign that. and you, what his A lot of are. this is about his like family and sexual history. Okay. No, no, no. A lot of what you're asking oh, is about Oh, that. I got no, excited. No, my notes that's what I'm all about that. That's a shame. Batman, if I remember, started in the 30s in detective comics. That's why it's called DC. Mm. Um, and he was mostly a detective. Like, he originally carried around a gun, which I think is very funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wait, wait, when you say he was originally a detective. Well, he's still known as the world's greatest detective. That's his quote, unquote, like, I don't know, title, his name. Batman's. Batman, yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking about the author for a second, the, the guy that created no, it. No, no, Bob like, Kane wow. is not the world's greatest detective. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Batman is the world's greatest detective, Batman's and he initially most, had a gun. He initially just had a gun. Okay. It, it came up in the Silver Age? Shane, is this like watching a child be informed about Batman for the first time? <laughs> See, I've never been a big DC person, so I only know it like tangentially. And like yeah. like Michelle, I had not actually seen the Burton Batmans until recently. I'd only ever seen mm. um, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin multiple times as a kid. Mm. Well, I mean, it makes sense, though, because they play so well for kids. Yeah. So in the 70s... Batman was starting to wane in terms of its popularity in general. Yeah. Producers Benjamin Melnicker and Michael E. Uslan purchased the film rights in 1979. It was Uslan's wish to, uh, quote, to make the definitive dark, serious version of Batman the way Bob Kane and Bill Finger had envisioned him in 1939, okay. a creature of the night stalking criminals in the shadows. Now, this reveals a tension that's going to come up again and again between the initial conception of Batman as, again, 30s and 40s, like, very noirish and dark mm. versus also then in, like, the 50s and 60s, very camp and silly, mm. right? So both of these are core to Batman. Yeah. And just basically, purely probably when you grew up and stuff, you're... you're which one you have in your head when you right. think of Batman is going to change. Interesting. I, I, I assumed that the the camp superhero, like the, the comic books would have been more 
well known. Is that wrong though? Well, no, no. I, I, at this time, the campiness was more well known because of the 1960s Adam West Batman TV show. Mm. You know, the, the classic Batman. Shark repellent spray. Yes, exactly. And so what Aslan wanted to do was to bring it back to the older, in his opinion, older vision of dark, serious Batman. However, studios were only interested in something that replicated the camp of the Adam West series of the 60s, like I just said, which also did have a movie called. Batman the movie in 1966. Batman. Batman. So, see, I try and move past it. I try and just Sorry. move past it. All right. <laughs> you work through it. You work through it. I, I respect that. I can't get past it. <laughs> um, after multiple attempts at getting the project, this is, by the way, me condensing so much that I read. The, yeah. the, the Wikipedia for all four of these movies is so dense. Mm. Um, after multiple attempts at getting the project off the ground failed, Warner Brothers turned to Tim Burton, hot off the back of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, as their director. Julie Hickson, Burton's then-girlfriend, wrote a 30-page treatment inspired by the newly released and now legendary Batman comics The Dark Knight Returns and The Killing Joke. For context, those were both released in the 80s by Alan Moore and Frank Miller, respectively. Is Alan Moore that incredible what, graphic? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. The yeah. guy who like so put Alan- a spell on Warner Brothers because he hated what they did to 300? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but, but that's the thing. These two comics... Are legendary for both of their careers. Now, I don't really care for Frank Miller outside of uh, this work, mm. but this this kind of helps launch Alan Moore and all of that. But like, both of these comics change comics forever. They yeah. fully change what comics can be, and part of it is that grounding, that dark and grittiness and stuff. Yeah. Um, so Julie Hickson, very inspired by those, does a treatment. Um, with some extra help, uh, with some extra work from Steve Englehart in the process, and that was turned into a script by Sam Hamm. Um, who was brought on by Burton, who was a comics writer. I know his name's Sam Ham. Sam Ham. Um, and a reticent Warner Brothers was finally convinced after the huge success of Beetlejuice. Mm. So they were in the they were they'd had all the things in a row. They really liked the script. Yeah. They weren't sure about going forward. And then Beetlejuice in 1985, 1988? I can't it's not really important to the story. Right before they started filming. Huge success, and Warner Brothers was like, all right, Burton, you can do whatever you want. Okay. Right? Um, that then leads to Batman. Well, it's just called Batman now, called often referred to as Batman 89 because it came out in 1989. Okay. Right? Okay. It's got Michael Keaton. Uh-huh. Um, where I put this on my story as well, where he looks exactly like fucking Billy Joel. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, it's got Kim Basinger as the love interest, Vicky Vale. It's it's very noirish. It, mm. It's dark for the time. Now we've had like a thousand even darker Batmans. Yeah. So it's like watching it now in a in a post Nolan post Batfleck world is like yeah, it's not dark. It yeah. feel, it's still campy and noirish yeah, and high yeah, art. Yeah. It's, it is incredible. It fucks and it fucks hard. I was so shocked so- how like I'm watching because I my idea of what it was. Or what it would be, it was totally informed by the Batman ride at Movie World that I went on a bunch as a kid, mm. which basically it's... takes a lot from Batman Returns. So I mm. anticipated that, and then I go into this picture, and it's like a James Cagney movie. Yes, <laughs> it's, it oh, is. Oh, it's like like Batman is almost like a side character to all these guys with like Tommy guns and bars of acid, and I was like, yeah, this is such a not the movie I thought it would be. It was really good. That's great. When you say the Batman ride at Movie World, what is that like? A, was it a roller? Because the only thing I remember Batman related at Movie drop. World is the drop. 
No, so in the oh oh yeah, that's right. You you, you you might not have come up here. It was basically one of those like you're strapped into like a a, a car car s sort of thing, and the seats are like um, are shaking and moving as you're watching some sort of presentation with the idea that you're in the Batmobile oh. helping Batman out, and so you drive through the streets of Gotham, and it's those really you know in Mister oh, wow. Bean. Um, and the, he in the Mr. Bean movie, this is a weird cut, but it's it's the exact thing. And you know how he rigs the ride in in this? It's like a cinema, but the chairs yeah. are all moving. So yeah, like yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's so it's one of those kind of rides, and it was, you got mm. into like a little Batmobile thing, and it was so much fun. But you were basically like chasing Penguin and Catwoman helped you out, and all these kind of things. Yeah. Oh my god, that's great! Because I did go on the Batman drop at Movie World. Um, the Batman in Queensland. Drop? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's the big, you, you know, it's the classic, they get you into the thing and it takes you to the top and it just yeah. drops you. You all get in a circle, you're strapped into a circle and then the circle goes up the big shaft. It's a straight line. It's a straight line. That's the giant drop, but that's not Batman themed or at least not. What? Uh, okay, maybe world? it's changed. Okay. At Movie World, at yeah. At Movie World. This, but this was 10 years ago in 2013. Okay, so I that's before, that's after I've been there. I haven't been there in like 15. Maybe it's still the Batman. I mean, listeners, please email us at ratingthesending.gmail.com if you have encountered the Batman drop at Movie World. because I didn't get to go on it because when I went to the Gold Coast, when I was a kid, which, by the way, for American listeners, well, for non-Australian listeners, is where, like, all of our major theme parks are located in, like, one dense spot. Um, I was there for a week with my mom, and I broke my ankle on the first day, (gasps) so I couldn't go on almost anything. No! (laughs) Whereas my experience on the Batman drop was terrible, because I didn't want to go to the theme parks in general. I was essentially on my my schoolies. It was, like, an unofficial one, because we didn't go to schoolies. And then later we were like, let's just do something akin to schoolies. We went up to the Gold Coast, hired an apartment, and then we went to Movie World one day. I was not keen. Hate theme parks. Don't like roller coasters. Don't like how fast they really? are. Makes me feel sick. I hate it. I hate adrenaline. I love being comfortable. And then um, I, all my friends were begging me because I was just sitting on the side watching them all day. And finally I was like, you know what? I'll just go on the Batman drop because I'm clearly afraid of roller coasters, but that'll be fine. And then uh, we all got in and we got right up to the top and I could see like 250 kilometers every fucking direction. It was bizarre. And I realized in that moment that it's not roller coasters that scare me because they move too fast. It's the falling sensation in the yeah. roller coasters. And I remember I yelled to my friend. I was like, I think I know what it is. It's not roller coasters. It's falling. And they were like, oh, no. And we dropped. <laughs> and I remember all of my friends had this cute, like, ah! noise as they went down. And my noise sounded like a whale giving birth. I was like, Bleh! and I felt like my stomach went inside out. It was a horrible experience. I think I vomited afterwards. That's cool. Never been back. You can't make me go back. <laughs> anyway, uh, go on, Michelle. Um, so to answer your earlier question, that's the one with Jack Nicholson as the Joker, and he does yeah. such a good fucking. So job. it's a good performance. He, Everyone's it's like, a great so performance. Good. Okay. Yeah, he he kind of steals the show. And is Michael Keaton any good as Batman? Because I'm very he's, neutral to Michael Keaton. He's great as Batman. You I'm think- very. I'm not for or against him in general, but I just don't. I don't care enough about him. Controversially, the, 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 to Michelle's opinion, I actually thought Val Kilmer was my favorite Batman. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. That's insane. Val Kilmer is so easily the worst bet. We'll get to it. When we get to Batman Forever, we'll talk about it. That, but that's crazy. I'm pretending to be shocked. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but that's crazy. When Michael Keaton was cast, the controversy, there was a lot of controversy because he was mostly known for things like Mr. Mom and like comedic performances. Mm. And they were like, he can't do the gravitas of Batman. I think he does a great job. Yeah. He's, he yeah. does he, way better than I thought. I get why Gen X likes this movie a lot. Mm. Also, way more, however much Prince, like, you know, 
the, the artist formerly known as, however mm. much Prince you think is in the movie, add way more <laughs> Prince. <to the laughs> Double it. Double it. No, more than. Like, Triple it. There's like five Prince songs and he wrote a nine song album for the movie. That's crazy. There's a long history of music and these movies as well. So what's Batman Forever? I'll, well, I'll get to that. Okay, right. Then there was the sequel, Batman Returns. It's the one yeah. I'm going to talk about the least. Yeah. Burton came back. Everyone came back. Burton came back. Keaton came back. The producers were back. Mm. It was a little darker. Burton was reticent to do it at first because it uh, doesn't really like sequels. And he said he wanted to make sure he did it in like a hipper sort of way. Yeah. So he's got Danny DeVito as Penguin. And- <laughs> so yeah. good. Is he good? So good. Yeah, is he good? He's, he's, uh, great. he's great. I'd watch it just for him. Christopher Walken is like an industrialist crime boss. I would also sort of watch it just for him. It, it, he's so good in it. <laughs> and then Michelle Pfeiffer as Selena Kyle or she, Catwoman. Is she good? Fuck, man, she's so good. She could turn me. (laughs) And I'm like a Kinsey six. Like, there is not a straight bone in my body. She is incredible in that movie. She she steals the show more than any other performance in in Batman Returns. Oh, yeah. There's a bit where she gets pushed out a window and the the way it's shot is so, like, visceral and it's so good. You kind of forget because of how poor a lot of his output has been for the last decade and a half, but Tim Burton really had the juice back in the day. Really smashing it back in the day. And so that was Batman Returns. Yes. Now, the reason that's relevant is because it was darker, there was some controversy of it being like too scary for kids and parents were getting up in arms. Also, Batman 89, when it was released, was made for $40 million and made $486 million, making it, at the time, fifth highest grossing movie of all time. Fuck. Of all time. Fuck. It was huge. Batman Returns makes $285 million. Wow. Big. No like idea. Half, what was their budget? Half the box offers. Yeah, half. Oh. So Warner Brothers was like, eh, fuck it. You know what? Burton wants out. Let's let him get and out. And they blamed okay. the because of the complaints. Because there was like a toy line that parent in, at McDonald's yeah. that they complained about. And then McDonald's pulled the toy line because the parents didn't want it associated with Batman because they thought Batman Returns was too dark. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So they, the studio specifically wanted to lighten it up. Yeah. Burton already wanted it out. Yeah. Initially, Michael Keaton was going to stay mm. and start working instead with Joel Schumacher, known for making St. Elmo's Fire, mm. Flatliners, a movie that's not very good, but I have a really good time with it. He makes a lot of movies that are very fun, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciate his work, even if, even if I don't always like the movie. Yeah. He's I love of so much of his output, even the ones that aren't good, I love. Mm. <laughs> That's what I mean. I'm like, I always have a good time. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, fantastically queer director as well. So initially they're going to work together and then Keaton ends up leaving in his words. He didn't. He wasn't happy with the script. He wanted it to go in a different direction. And also he wanted to, in, his, in, in quotes, do more interesting work. Okay. He turned down $15 million to do it. Wow. Yeah, which would have been one of <sighs> the highest salaries for an actor at the time until batman and robin comes along (laughs) yeah the reason i'm so neutral about michael keaton is that when i was a kid someone gifted me like a a copy of i don't know fucking mean girls or something a a film i wanted to watch but then you know how like you'd get those dvds back in the day that was two movies in one and then the cover would have that like split design from the posters yes yeah we had I it, one was Mean Girls that was the movie I wanted and then the other one was The First Daughter with Katie Holmes oh, and Michael no. Keaton and I watched it because I was like well it's on the DVD and it was shocking it is actually like one of the that it brings out this anger in me that I'm not proud of <laughs> like if we encountered in this list I'd be like 
it's just like Besmore. I'm not watching it. I have a moral <laughs> opposition to watching it. I cannot watch Katie Holmes bore me to tears for an hour and a half. And well, Michael Keaton yeah. gives zero. So, yeah, I'm so glad he went on to do more interesting work. And, and he really did. Um, so here's my stuff on Batman Forever. So a decision was made to go with a younger actor for Bruce Wayne. An offer was made to Ethan Hawke, who turned it down. He later regretted it. Um, Schumacher... Oh, yeah, and so instead, there was a bunch of people who were up for it. Um, oh, if I remember... Was it for this role or was it for... Um, oh, that's... Later, by the way, also up. I saved this just for you, for the Riddler, who's gonna who's in Batman Forever. One of the potentials was Brad Dourif, um, because Burton was still on as producer. So- I know, I know you I love, love Brad Dourif. Have you yeah. seen, uh, he's Brad good Dourif's in everything. Have you seen the Child's Play movies? No, no. I haven't. He's, he's Chucky. Wait, oh, Brad Dourif? Is it, is Chucky? It, it's Brad Dourif. It's, I'm almost certain it's That's Brad Dourif. That's crazy. Rima vo- Wormtongue? He, yeah, the yeah, Doctor yeah. in Deadwood? Yeah, he voices, he voices Chucky. It, no. And one of the most, this is a total sidebar, it's one of the most consistent horror franchises and it is the gayest horror franchise by <laughs> a long shot because <laughs> Don Mancini, the, the creator of it, was basically with the franchise for every single installment and he's gay as hell uh, it's great love highly it. recommend love it wow. love it I, I would watch it just for brad dourif yeah, yeah. Wow. i love him I, I didn't think i could love brad dourif more but he's holy shit so good in deadwood as the doctor just outstanding so after going through a bunch of people they end up casting val kilmer mm. um now even though this batman forever is not the one that we're watching today we've encountered val kilmer and his antics before on the list yes. because of island of dr moreau yes and i have very little love in my heart for val kilmer not as a performer just as a man i, I was saving this for the <laughs> trivia but fun fact he left batman forever uh, he declined batman and robin to go and do the island of dr moreau <laughs> Oh, my God. List connection, another one of those. Island of Dr. Moreau continues to be one of my favourite films that we've had to watch on this list and one of my favourite episodes to record. I think it is still one of our best episodes. Yeah, it's a goodie. It's a goodie. Um, So, Schumacher and Kilmer clashed during the making of the film. Schumacher described Kilmer as childish and impossible, reporting that he fought with various crewmen and refused to speak to Schumacher for two weeks after the the director told him to stop being rude. So on brand for Val Kilmer. Now, by the way, a recurring theme is that Joel Schumacher is the nicest man, the nicest director I've ever heard of. He's so sweet and has nothing but good things to say about everyone except for Val Kilmer and Tommy Lee Jones. Well, but, but he, in the commentary for Batman and Robin, which I also watched in prep for this podcast, mm. <laughs> he says he still thinks to this day, after having directed two of them, he thinks Val Kilmer is the best person to have played Batman. Interesting. Well, he might have still appreciated the performance, yeah. even if he found him really fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah. And so, oh, so, this is so Val Kilmer. The first thing he does for Batman is Batman Forever. Batman Forever. And what year did it come out? Uh, oh, the 1995. No, oh. no, it wasn't Returns '92. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, I forgot about. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, fucking yeah, nailed right. it. Fucking, I'm on my toes. <laughs> I'm keeping so up. Val Kilmer was okay. Right, '95, Batman Forever. I think I've seen clips of Batman Forever because yeah. I've seen the Riddler. Yes, you know, so I've seen Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Yeah, I've seen it. And and look, as someone who also earlier this week rewatched a childhood classi- classic of mine that is also a much maligned movie, The Cable Guy, mm. now I kind of get why audiences would have been really fucking annoyed with Jim Carrey. I think he do- there's moments where he's really great as the Riddler, and there's also moments where I'm like, I'm a little overstimulated, and I need you to chill out. Uh, see, so- I'm, I'm like, give it to me. Give me every single... like In, in it the was third the most- act... <laughs> 
it works for me. There's so much in the middle where I'm like, can you just do one line reading a little smaller? Just no, a little. No, it's give so- it to me as big as possible. <laughs> I love it big as well, and I love Jim Carrey, but it's so funny you say that because Claude continuously claims that Jim Carrey has ruined a whole generation of millennials <gasps> because because there's a lot of millennials Divorce. that have this like really, yes, they, they, they well, they do like the big voice and the big energy and then like Claude is just like, fuck, they're just copying Jim Carrey and it's yeah. too much. They need to bring it down like five levels. So you and Claude should have a chat. It's because it, it's mostly fine. It's just he's at his most Jim Carrey. Mm. All of the Jim Carreyisms are so hyper concentrated in Riddler and yeah. Cable Guy. And this what yeah. I mean, like for general audiences, I can imagine some of them being like, oh, what's with this guy mm, by this mm, point? True, true. Um, now, Schumacher also mentioned Tommy Lee Jones as a source of trouble because Tommy Lee Jones was Two-Face. Replacing Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent in the Batman 89. You know, Lando Calrissian? Oh, yeah. nice. Yep. I know, he's, he, he was great. And they wanted to do him as Two-Face and then they just arbitrarily replaced him with Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones doing a really big performance. Weird. I, I can't, can't even imagine any it. other movie. He, that guy was built for his role in No Country for Old Men, yeah. okay? Don't take him out of that role. You know how That's weird got you on. think it is in your head? It's that weird. It's yeah. Double it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Double it. <laughs> and it's wild because he was also really rude to Jim Carrey on the set of Batman Forever and said Jim Carrey was an overactor. He was really bad. He just, he literally went up to Jim Carrey's face and just said, I just really hate you. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my God. That would break me if someone yet, just said, I hate you. And yet you look at the movie and and Tommy Lee Jones is kind of... Uh, not Sorry, uh, it's Tommy Lee Jones. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Uh, he's just going for it in the camp and overacting. And it works. Yeah. It works for the movie and the whole style. But I'm sort of like, you were criticising Jim Carrey? What the fuck? It was crazy. Like, way to come for, like, the young actor that's just about to peak and, like, he's, like, in the prime of his 90s career and you're just there being like, you're too much. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that Schumacher specifically said was, Jim Carrey was a gentleman and Tommy Lee was threatened by him. I'm tired yeah. of defending overpaid, overprivileged actors. I pray I don't work with them again. <laughs> oh, what a sweetie. I love him. Oh, that's right. And the specific quote that Tommy Lee Jones said to Jim Carrey's face was, I hate you. I really don't like you. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Yeah. Uh, so he had to deal with Tom- Tommy Lee Jones's bullshit and yeah. Val Kilmer's bullshit on yeah. this set. Also, can I can I just point out, let's all mm-hmm. remember how during the filming of The Island of Dr. Moreau, Marlon Brando hated Val Kilmer so much that he ate cabbage on purpose so he could fart at him. <laughs> let's just meditate on that Val Kilmer only did that film because he was so in love with the idea of working with Brando and they hated each other well Brando hated him at least I think Val Kilmer was just arrogant and insufferable and Brando was like fuck you kid which I kind of which is funny it sounds like yeah I mean Brando was also arrogant and insufferable arrogant (laughs) yeah Now, by the way, we're so deep. This is why I wanted to start yeah. right yeah. off the bat. We're yeah. so deep in this episode, we haven't gotten to yeah, Batman yeah, and yeah, Robin yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Batman Forever. Now, now, my opinion on it differs from Shane's. I think Val Kilmer is fucking asleep in that movie. Oh, okay. I think he, I think he's easily the worst Batman. I think he's giving it nothing. Could he be more asleep than George Clooney in this film? Yes, far more. Because I don't know, George Clooney gives about 5%. Well, his love interest in this is Nicole Kidman, in Batman Forever, I mean, is Nicole Kidman, who acts the whole movie as if she has something to hide, like she's going to have like a villain turn. <laughs> and then the main she doesn't. she's just kind of like that. <laughs> The closer she gets, so she mentions a... that she's a psychiatrist because she's attracted to damaged men, which I'm like, that's a serious breach of your professional protocol. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought she was going to be Poison Ivy because of her lovely She was almost head. going to be not. Poison Ivy no. in Batman Forever. Oh. That, that She was considered yeah. for it, and then they ended up creating her character. Um, what's the name? It sounds, it's some ludicrous name. It is. Shane. <laughs> 
<laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, not Valerie Cherish. I just, that, it, that's the character. Valerie Cherish is Valerie such Cherish. a great fucking name. Chase Meridian. Chase Meridian, Chase that's Meridian. it. Valerie Cherish is the character from The Comeback. Oh Have you seen that? Yes. yes. Oh, <gasps> no. But that's, that. what a great, what a fantastic, you know, Claude's doctor, and you can edit this out if you want to, because I don't know if I should be mentioning who his doctor is, but it's, his name is Chance Pistol. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Chance Pistol. <laughs> wow, that's, that's wow. incredible. Um, oh. So, notably, Batman Forever also introduced Robin. Yep. This will come back because Robin's in this one as well. Okay, so same guy plays Robin in that one and this one. Same guy plays Robin in that one and this one. Okay, and... and Chris O'Donnell. Yes. Chris O'Donnell. And did you have a, a sexual awakening also with Batman Forever because of Chris O'Donnell? No. Or was and it just I don't, Batman I and Robin? I don't know Shane? why it was Batman and Robin and not Batman Forever other than I think, like, Batman Forever doesn't have quite as much, like, deliberately fawning over the physique and the suits and the butts the butt, and, the, and the crotches the and, and all that. Yeah. Batman Forever has a bit of it. It's a touch of it, but it, then it sort of pulls back and lets, you know, Jim Carrey kind of carry <laughs> yeah. the zanier parts of the movie. And, and I don't know why, because I'm pretty sure I saw Batman Forever first because anything that Jim Carrey was in, our whole family just showed up because he was the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... But Batman and Robin is the one where I like, and it might just be time. It might just be at the time Batman and Robin came out. I was, you know, I was a child. I was a non-sexual child with none of those kind of things. Mm. Disconnected from that. And then I was a couple of years older. I I saw both of them on video after cinemas. So it was probably like Mm. 98, 99 when I saw them, maybe. Mm. Mm. Fair, fair. A lot can happen in two years when you're that age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now we get to this one. Val Kilmer leaves because he wants to go to a different movie. Actually, or Michelle, I think we should be wrapping up. No! So it was great to have you, Shane. <laughs> okay, keep going, keep going. Um, Val Kilmer left. Apparently it was like Schumacher kind of wanted to replace and fire him and then Val Kilmer couldn't do it and he was like, thank fuck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so instead they get George Clooney. Yeah. Thinking, uh, one of the producers I think was like, he'd be the perfect Batman. Yeah. He looks more like Batman, I guess. He looks more like Batman than Michael Keaton does. Yeah, he does look like Batman, I guess. Yeah. They also get, so like I said, director was still Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Starring George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Alicia Silverstone, Uma Thurman, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. The Oh, I forgot to write down the returning actors, but it would be Arnold Schwarzenegger, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. For Junior. For Junior. Yeah. yeah, for Junior. Yeah. Has Uma been on this list before? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, the thing that also came out in 1997. She had the the Sherlock... No, not Sherlock Holmes. It's It had Ray Fiennes in it. Oh, oh, uh, Avengers. Yeah, yeah, Avengers. Oh, yeah, that's right. She was right. in the 1997 yeah, Avengers. Right. Yeah, oh, so that's the second Uma. Yeah, that's yeah. so sad. That's really disappointing. First for, it's the first for George Clooney. Yeah. Um, didn't think he'd show up on the list at all, to be honest, but here we are. I thought he would show up on the list more than I thought Emma Thurman would. Yeah. And she's on here twice. Twice. Now, the budget for this one. Now, remember I said that, like, less than a decade prior, that Batman 89 was made for $40 million. And when you watch it, it's astounding how good it is. $40 million. Mm. I know inflation, yada, yada. Not Batman but, like, Forever. You mean the original Batman? Uh, sorry, yeah. I meant the original Batman. 89. So Thank you so much. Thank you so much for keeping me honest. <laughs> like, even with inflation, that's like a minuscule budget for a studio movie now. This was made for $125 to $160 million. Oh, my God. Box office was 238 which means not that much lower than Batman Returns, but it apparently just broke even. Yeah, that's not great. I mean... It's not great. Also, the original Batman, though, I read, is one of the most famous accounts of Hollywood accounting. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like I said, it allegedly was 
the fifth highest grossing movie when it came out. Yeah. And it allegedly has never returned a profit. Oh, my God. It made 11 times its budget. Have you seen the one that leaked the Harry Potter 5? And they leaked the financial sheet where it's... Because Harry Potter 5 made $900 million. So it was just shy of a billion. And there's the sheet where you can see all of their deductions. And it basically is $160 million in the red. Supposedly. Oh, Oh my God. No, it's not. It's money laundering. It's fucked. (laughs) Yeah. I can't believe we have to beg for, like... A humble five mil in this country. <laughs> yeah. For a feature. It's we're fucked. like, please, we have to beg for one. Yeah, we do. We have to beg for half. Yeah. <laughs> please, sir, can I have $500,000? I have a 10 grand to please. make a short film, sir, please. With $500,000, I could almost pay everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I could get my mummy and daddy out of the factories. I wouldn't be able to pay myself. I would surely starve, but <laughs> the others could live. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a lot of unpaid work somehow still. <laughs> yeah. Free catering. And then we'll release it in cinemas for one week with no promotion and it won't make a dime. But you're not jaded at all. I'm not jaded at all. No, clearly. No, no, no. So here's the overview. (laughs) (laughs) We made it. This might be the latest in an episode we've done an overview. Yeah. Um, When new villain Mr. Freeze starts a string of diamond rubberies, narrowly evading Batman and Robin in the process, they seek to learn more about their foe and discover that he was originally a scientist victor freeze working on a cure for mcgregor syndrome a rare disease affecting his wife who he had frozen in the hopes that he would one day find the cure he since suffered a lab accident that left him needing to live in a cryogenic suit powered by diamonds (laughs) there's no way to say it out loud without laughing one more diamond (laughs) powered by diamonds in meanwhile in brazil dr pamela eiley eiley was eiley or isley shane Pamela Isley? Isley. I think they said it like Isley. Isley. Yeah, you're right. Dr. Pamela Isley, oh, because it's like Ivy, who has been researching ways to hybridize animals and plants. It's really skimmed over. Learns her research is being used to create a super soldier serum called Venom, witnessing it and witnesses its use to birth Bane, who was used to be a serial killer. Now he's a super guy. Her superior discovers that she is aware and attempts to kill her by dousing her in her own chemicals, which also leads her to sort of fall into a pit or something, which instead turns her into Poison Ivy. She returns to Gotham with Bane in the hopes to use Bruce Wayne's money to continue her experiments. Meanwhile, Alfred's niece, Barbara, stops by and is invited to stay at the Wayne Manor. After Bruce rejects Ivy's offer, she instead turns to the recently arrested Freeze for help and revenge robin discovers that barbara has been sneaking out to participate in street races in the hopes to raise money for alfred by the way her fight bruce is a billionaire (laughs) in the hopes to raise money for alfred who has secretly begun suffering from mcgregor syndrome batman and robin chase down freeze and ivy who has now convinced freeze that batman has killed his wife which he didn't do and subsequently swears revenge on the world with a plan to freeze gotham they stop Ivy with the help of Barbara, who found a secret costume made for her by Alfred and now goes by Batgirl, and team up to stop Freezer's Ray by harnessing the sun on the other side of the planet to reheat Gotham. What, you don't get it? <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> I didn't realize how hard to explain this movie was until I had to write down explaining it. <laughs> I don't envy you. Um, uh, guys, I was going to say the the plot <laughs> of revenge because that's like that one line. He goes, "Ha ha ha ha, revenge!" 
<laughs> yes. I mean, look, we got to talk about, I guess, more than anything, because I had to say freeze like eight times. Mm. We got to talk about the ice puns, of right? Of course. I mean, the ice puns were the standout. They yeah. were fantastic. And also just Arnie as Mr. Freeze, I thought was such good fun and he, such good value. And at first... He's having so uh, much fun it, doing it. Like, you can yes, just tell. Mm. he is. And it doesn't matter. Like, I, I feel like Arnie's delivery is always strangely, like steelish like it's it's very it's they put a flanger on his voice so that it would sound more metal than cold and oh. stuff yeah well the thing is like his yeah he he's he struggles to show any emotion in a lot of his deliveries but then just him yelling out these terrible ice puns in his full garb you can tell he's just having a ball and then you end up just i feel like i kept laughing at it and i didn't think i would continue to laugh at it you laugh at it because it's camp rather than it being a great yeah, pun yeah yeah and it's a fun exactly time. right the camp is just it, it's all through the entire film, I, it, it's it's one. Apparently, one of the reasons um, it, it's so like good and family friendly, the studio was like, it has to be family friendly because it was just this reactionary thing mm. against Batman Returns. Mm. But because of that, like mm. everyone on set was able to bring their kids to set because normally, you know, they can't. You mm. know, Arnold can't bring his kid to Predator, That's you nice. know, whatever. Um, but they'll bring their kids to set. <laughs> you can try because it's just Batman <laughs> yeah. and they're punching people and there's no blood. Yes, it's, it's just Uma Thurman walking around, like strutting around in her costumes. But I will say, like, uh, my favorite was "How did the dinosaurs die? <laughs> the Ice Age." <laughs> Which is not true. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> and I think he also said like weather forecast: a freeze is coming in. And I'm like, why wouldn't you say like a cold front or something? Like, who says a freeze is coming? <laughs> no, my favorite one was when he enters in like the ball and he's like, all right everyone chill yeah 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 <laughs> he's just chill. And then, and to chill i think out. he says like chill 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 he says it again and again yeah. i also love how he's just like oh what was it sorry there were so many of them there was i think uh, there was a count there's like 27 or 28 of them i think he also says like time to kick some ice yeah Instead of ass, yeah, which is a real far reach. My boyfriend ice. and I have this like Mandela Mandela effect, Mandela effect, where he would always quote because mm. we talk about it and joke about the movie. He doesn't like it at all, um, and I I was reveling in it. And he we, we he would always quote Ice to see you, even though yes. that is not a line that is in the movie at all. Oh. It's such oh. a it's such a classic ice pun. I guess it should be in the movie. It's off the well, no, no, but it's too good. It's not as good as what killed the dinosaurs, the ice age, which again is wrong. Best line in the whole film. Best line in the whole. I, film. I like the idea that he just thinks that, like he's a, he's that's not the kind of scientist he is. I I think that like Arnie's jokes and the puns were fantastic, and I really enjoyed him as Mister Freeze overall. But of course, the other standout was Uma, in my opinion. Yes. I loved her as Poison now, Ivy. We were talking about sexual awakenings. I don't have it as like I don't think this is the first one for me, but this is definitely formative because she falls. She's a a, a, a weirdy little dork who also, let's be honest, is effectively a neuter, and then falls into a hole and emerges a sexy woman who can blow horny dust at people <laughs> and make them wriggle around and like it's. <laughs> is that what you'd like to be able to do, Michelle? Yeah, blow sexy dust at people. Yeah. When did you first see this? Did you first see this when you were a kid or for this podcast? When I was like, this I had seen like when I was like twelve, oh. thinking I had seen bits of all of them. I'd only seen this when I was like twelve, and that's what I mean. Twelve-year-old me, like right at the cusp of puberty yeah. at not knowing I was trans, having someone just emerge as a sexy woman and then can, they can blow horny dust and <laughs> wriggle is 
a lot. And then I watched it again last year because I was staying at a friend's in Sydney and they were like, let's watch a movie. Hey, this is good. And put on Batman and Robin. Who was that? <laughs> that was Lauren. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the last time I stayed with Lauren, no, not the last time, but a few years ago when I stayed with her, she made me watch Con Air <gasps> and fuck it. Was I love good. Con Air. I could watch so Con Air. It's a great I love movie. Con Air so much. There's that bit where like that woman almost gets assaulted and he's beating the guy up and he's like, you don't treat women like that. Me and Claude. Uh, we quote that Connection. all the time. Connection, Conair, and <laughs> this were both nominated for a specific Razzie about like um, worse disregard for human life or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was some stupid award yes. that they invented, and and I, I think Conair won because it was this was the first year that that <gasps> particular award was invented. Conair mm. was fantastic, and to be fair, the last time I did stay at Lauren as well, Lauren's place as well, I made her watch Rocky Four. So we, <laughs> we dish it back and forth to each other. Man, we really do like bad movies. We really just do. in our day to day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Uma, Uma's um, acting you, is so reminiscent of. Um, have either of you seen Mummy Dearest? Uh, oh my god! I, no, it's, it's the no. Joan Crawford. I, like it's yeah, legendary. It's legendary Joan Crawford biopic yeah. where Faye Dunaway just went full method and gave yeah. a, a performance that is so bad it's become high art since and has become like. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. staple of quotes in the gay community. And everything Uma's yeah. doing is like, I was just like, she just understood. She's like, I'm just going to say these lines so earnestly and over the top that it it's just pure camp. Like, down. It's so, to me, it's so 1950s It's and 40s. It's, it's very it's, like Mae West. I was going to say Mae West. Yeah, it's very that kind of like, oh, you're coming into here yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. trying to touch me down there. It's very, I, I loved the the weird transatlantic accent she had going on. One of my favourite bits of her acting, it's when she's she redresses up as like dowdy self, but, you know, in her green yeah. Rita Skeeter number or whatever it is. And and Batman says, no, let her through, let her through. And she like waves the pamphlet in front of the face of the the security guard. Yeah. And I yeah. pissed myself laughing. It was so funny. Yeah. She's so fantastic the entire time. I loved the... I mean, I, uh, there were a lot of standout performances, but there was this one bit where she's like t- walking up to Batman and she's like, I love an anatomically correct suit. <laughs> and I was just well, like... That's, that's a reference so to dumb. the bat nipples, the yeah, famous bat yeah, nipples, yeah, which yeah. were introduced in Val Kilmer's suit. Ah. Also, a lot of people made really awful like comments about how Schumacher introduced the, bull, the, the nipples and homoeroticism because he's gay. Oh. It's just it's just trying to inherently sexualize oh. queerness in that classic way. It, it, I think the bat nipples are They're, fine. Well, a he did it as a reference to like Greek statues. So because the yeah. suits are so over muscled to represent those things. But B like mm. they are hundred percent work for me. <laughs> Well, they, like they're horny, but it's the it's yeah. the sort of thing of like it's they're not horny necessarily because he's gay. They're horny, mm. you know. But they're also very gay. They're, horny they're and also gay. very gay. Yeah, they're very gay. <laughs> I can probably can attribute the the nipple suits to uh, various bedroom proclivities. Let's put it that. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I just mean there's tons of horny straightness. You know, th- this yeah, is just true. the same amount of if horny. If they think of the first guy to do anything horny with a film is a gay man, think again. Michelle Pfeiffer's in a skin tight yeah. leather yeah. suit in Batman yeah. Returns. Yeah. Like and they're like nipples. Yeah, it's yuck. as soon as you put the men oh. in the suits and you start objectifying the men. Yeah. Ugh. That's that's part of the reason why yeah. what I was saying when I said the people like hated it and I know why they hated it. Because like all of the things that they're vocal about are the things that are gay. It's the campiness, it's the the colourful thing, it's the overacting, it's the nipple suits. Not any of like because mm. there's there's some things that don't work. There's some plot things that are are like 
okay, you know, you, you accept that. But all the things that people are the most vocal about that you const- you constantly hear jokes about the nipple suits, mm. and that's like the queer things. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's the same thing with like disco. Also, while we're talking about Batman in general, I did forget to mention my f- favorite slash easily the worst bit of Batman Forever, which I need to. I, I want to get your opinion on Shane, and I need to explain to Abby, which is there's a point where we see on a TV screen a like report. Uh, with video footage of the origin of how Two-Face now has half his face scarred. <laughs> and it's that there, he's in court and then a, a, a gangster goes to like throw acid on him. And then in slow-mo, it cuts to Val Kilmer, who is apparently sitting like in the, in the not the jury, but like in the, the general sort of court area in his full bat outfit, kind of trying to get over the, the wood barricade to stop him and kind of struggling with it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then Tommy Lee Jones, like, holds up his, like, papers to try and block his face, but he only blocks half of his face. Yeah. And that's, that's why it scarred half his face. Don't show Batman. Why is he in court in his full Batman so outfit? Funny. Why is he trying <laughs> to jump over the... <laughs> I mean, like in this film, there's some really good jokes. Like, there's that yeah. bit where I think, is it Mr. Freeze that pulls out his, like, credit card? Yeah. No, no, no. Batman. It's Batman. It's Batman that pulls out his... The Batman credit card is from the comic book. It's so is funny. It? It's from the the Batman credit card is from the comic books. It's he uses it to get into the Batcave. Oh, um, and like Mister Freeze in his like robe yeah. and and with all the the henchmen in his like ice palace is also from the comic oh, book. Yeah, I love it. And I loved some of the dry fucking comedy beats, like when Mister Freeze, you know, wants to die, and then he gives Batman the vials that will help them with what is it, McGregor's disease? Yeah, McGregor syndrome. And then yeah, syndrome. And then like he literally hands him to him and he's just like take two call me in the morning like it's so funny i was like that made me fucking genuinely crack up the delivery was actually really good well, it's, it's interesting with mr freeze though because you have bits where he's like conducting his gang to the snow miser song which is both mm. fun and also like it, it feels like something that's constructed to be fun in a way that Almost doesn't work for me, no, but it, it just gets me. away for it. I it. loved it. I was like, this is great. I could watch Arnie <laughs> do this all day. What I think is odd is the blending of that camp version of Mr. Freeze with a lot of this is inspired by. So, this is important a context that I didn't get to is that the 89 Batman and then Batman Returns in particular inspire Warner Brothers to make the uh, Batman the animated series. Okay. Which was then uh, playing throughout the 90s. That's a really, really important show for the development of American cartoons, let uh, but especially like superhero cartoons, but just uh, cartoons in general, because mm. it's really great. That's a show that I watched as a kid so much. It is legendary, and it's sort of anchored around the tone of Batman Returns. And one of the things that Batman the Animated Series introduces. Sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to blow past it. I'm just trying to blow past that I almost burped. No, I got to be an method. adult about you it. You try and stifle them. You just gotta. You just gotta yell them out. <laughs> 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 Don't hide them, Michelle. Don't live a life of shame. Sorry. One of the things that this introduced. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, <laughs> One of the things that Batman the Animated Series introduced with Mr. Freeze is, like, his whole backstory. He's basically reconceived for it. The Mm. whole thing about his wife actually suffering from this disease and his whole thing is actually that he's trying to find a cure and power a suit and stuff to solve it to make him a tragic villain. Yeah, yeah. That's from Batman the Animated Series, not from the comics. And so Mm. what what I think is odd in this movie is the sort of blending of those in a way that's meant to be this, like, tragic 
grounded, like it's quite a beautiful thing in the show I, version I with kinda, the just like very silly. I think they kind of got. A, I think it was a good call. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't why, it, know why I'm defending everything with this film. I feel like you're <laughs> making genuinely fair critiques, and I'm here being like, actually, it worked for me. But I, th- I feel like it did. I feel like if it was just funny. Uh, just just puns, just the same performance. It would have been very one note. The fact that he did have an actual compelling motivation to do these things made me like him as a character. I thought it was a good call. As someone that doesn't know the source material for either of like the cartoon or the comics, I was like, I like it. It worked for me. <laughs> Everything worked for me. Fair. Damn. It makes you a little less frustrated that he doesn't die at the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Joker dies at the end of Batman, and and Tommy Lee Jones dies at the end of Batman Forever. Mm. Yeah. I, I I did think that the introducing those elements made that that pathos that they give him in this earned. Yeah, I was yeah. saying to Claude, how come every every time there's a dead wife or a dying wife in a show or a movie, they're always blonde. It's always a blonde dying yeah. wife because it's the most pure and innocent of colors. I suppose so. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's to, bizarre. To be fair, Batman exclusively dates blonde women. Oh, we got to talk about Elmy Furston in this sucks. Yeah, she what the sucks fuck? In <laughs> What's the purpose of her being in this? Like, well, what? Why? Batman has a love interest in the other movies, right? And she, but she does nothing. She's not part of the plot. She's not. She doesn't come into it at all. She's just his beautiful Elle McPherson girlfriend. That. What what is what does happen between? Does she them? have a character? Is does she, she just Elle McPherson in the? I think I read somewhere that she had a bit more that was cut from the movie. Oh. Well, to be fair, but. if I was in the edit room and I saw what the runtime would be without a cut scene, I'd be like, we really do need to cut yeah. some movies. And hey, I'll say yeah. to this film's credit, when I put it on and it was two hours and four minutes, I panicked. I panicked big time because as everyone knows that <laughs> listens to this podcast, I value my time. And the less time I have to spend watching these films, the better. I enjoyed it the entire way through. I, I think, didn't I didn't realize it was 2 hours long. It didn't feel like it. I think it should have been 100 105. Like my but it felt 100 to me. Yeah. Wow. I, I cuz I didn't have a bad time with this but like by the time it gets to the third act I was genuinely just like and, and I love like stimming to a movie, you know? That's why I love like everything ever all at once. I'm like, whoa, fuck, just like rocking in my seat. Holy mm. shit, I'm gonna nut, Jizzing man. Jizzing in your pants, yeah. Jizzing in my pants, like, cream in my jeans, all that. You know, the Lonely Island got it right. Jizzing in pants is funny. Give me some skin. <laughs> Give me some skin. All right. Wait, it's Wait, cyclical, like one? Borat. Ah! It, it's cyclical. It gets funny. Thank you, Shane. Thank you. Look, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It, um, sorry. What, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> I'm just thinking about the Lonely Island now. Oh, yeah. In this, I was getting a little overstimulated. By the yeah. time it gets to the third act and it's just like their big ice Gotham, I'm like, I, I really just kind of need it to be done. And they're in their cool new suits that exist purely <laughs> for the fight scene yeah. at the end. I loved it. Well, okay. It's- Alicia Silverstone as uh, Batgirl. As Barbara. Do you like her as an actress? Uh, she doesn't have great range, but... I like her in Clueless, and then I realized when I was watching this, I don't think I like her in anything else. Um, no. Look, I... I think she's been given not good material because, yeah. oh, you're the hot blonde. Yeah. yeah. You're Clueless. You're the, the ditz. Yeah. And then so she's never given enough to actually act around. So I don't think we've had the opportunity to see... Yeah. A better range yeah, of probably. her. Yeah, probably. That's the whether thing. or not she has it. She might not. Have I don't it. think I've. Seen... I don't think she's particularly good in this movie. Yeah, no. I don't think I've seen her in very many things, and she wasn't very good in this. But she's got this way, and it works for Cher in Clueless. But she ha- does this thing where she doesn't bother to fully enunciate her words. Well, she'll let them roll a little bit. Like it's like kind of like yeah, my dad like said. I got... yeah. She doesn't fully open her mouth, but it's very endearing. But then in this, I was like, open your mouth, talk clearly. You're not Cher now. Enunciate. Yes, enunciate. I wanted Barbara to have a 
bit more vavum, you know, and and she didn't. Yeah, also, but I, I do like Alicia Silverstone as a person. Barbara in the comics is usually the daughter of of Commissioner Gordon, oh, she's Barbara Gordon, and normally has fuck? red hair, like iconically. No way. Yeah, and then there's a weird plot line where she like gets paralyzed. So is Batgirl a real character in the comic? Yes. Yeah. yeah, but she's not Barbara. Well, she's Barbara Gordon oh. rather than Barbara right. Al-, Al Pennyworth, right, or whatever. I liked the guy that played Alfred in this. Who played Alfred? Oh, he's great. Michael Knowles, I think his name was, or something. Michael Goth. Michael Goth. Yeah, you're right. What's what else has he been? Got in? G-O-U-G-H. He was yeah. so good as Alfred. He gave, he gave a genuinely. He's like a classic British oh. stage trained. You can actor. tell he's got it going on. He's got great delivery. Just fantastic performance. Almost too good for this film, really. Oh, he was mm. Sir Arthur. He's, he's Alfred in all four of them. Yeah, really? yeah. He's one of the only ones who's in all four of them, along oh. with Commissioner Gordon, who, by the way, such a such a bland Gordon, giving absolutely nothing to the character <laughs> yeah. in any I of the movies. I barely noticed him in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I, if I hadn't already seen, like, the Nolan and other Batmans and stuff, like, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. I, I think, you know, obviously... Uh, what's 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 his name? Gary Oldman is so good in the mm. Nolan ones. I think Jeffrey Wright. I thought I, I was going to say Jeffrey Wright in the new Jeffrey one. Jeffrey Wright is so he. But the I think the difference is that like Commissioner Gordon in uh, the Nolan ones is meant to be like this needed pillar of their their triumvirate and stuff. Whereas Jeffrey Wright felt like the the last guy working at the dam, mm. and he's got this like desperation yeah. to him. I really liked him in the new one. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy did nothing. This. No, <laughs> he just oh, and like he showed like why is he showing up to the police raids? He's so useless. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of amble. He's like, uh. there's a bit even in the first one where he just sort of like encounters one obstacle and then just goes uh, and just yeah, turns he, away. He seems pretty useless. The, the only thing I remember him doing in this film is just that Poison Ivy wants to get to the bat signal and he she blows her horny dust on him and then he's just like there it's upstairs. and she's like thank you and that's it. Oh, yeah, Do we realize that her plan is to sort of little shop everyone? Yeah, little shop of horrors, everyone. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. has a little Audrey. I guess Audrey three, and she that she plans to give everyone. <laughs> it's the crossover we needed. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. What else is there? Was before oh, you. I, I know you're going to want to talk like more trivia soon because we're we're getting long in the tooth. Mm. Um, but something about this movie that I really adore, and it's like it's that symptomatic thing of like a lot of modern movies don't do certain like base level things like this movie is lit yes you have night scenes where you can see everything yes everyone has backlight um and in in particular for superhero movies one of the things i love is that the suits are real yeah and i'm not i'm not one i think we bash cgi a lot um and very unfairly especially because a lot of the movies that are billed as like entirely practical are 100 percent not like quicksight all the jets in top gun maverick were replaced head to toe like yeah Every single jet was because they're not the same models. The models that they flew weren't the models that were needed for the film, and so like everything's like basically it's the most expensive um, reference footage in in the world. Uh, (laughs) But in superhero movies, the the costumes now are they wearing a grey suit and they uh, they CGI it afterwards, whether or not it's because they didn't design it. Or that was left to like I know the white suits from Avengers Endgame, and it's a very good CGI. But the white suits from Avengers Endgame completely post production. I didn't know they could fucking do that. Yeah, I have they no do it idea. All the time. They do. It's really but the fucking problem annoying. For me, oh. The problem for me, it can work. Like those white suits in Avengers are really good, and they work really well. But the problem for me is that they're too perfect. Mm. Yeah, there's no creases. Everything's smooth. Everything's great. Whereas these ones, you can kind of see them crease at the arms. You can see like the capes. I I miss practical capes because 
there's like this great moment where Robin's like put into that vat of like cream or whatever the hell it is, like yeah, uh, whipping cream. Was that or something. your favorite scene? And he Shane? gets up. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> uh, uh, any scene where Chris O'Donnell is just in a vat drenched. of cream. I- I'm surprised he didn't become. I a- am drenched. I'm, in- I'm surprised he didn't become a villain because almost every villain in these four movies have an origin story if they fell into something uh, or they fell out yes. of something. <laughs> Fell into a vat of something and it made them crazy. Um, but there's that scene, he falls in the vat and he gets off the cape and he starts doing some fighting or he's or he's arguing with Bruce and the cape like gets caught on the railing and it's clearly not intended to mm. do that. Mm. And so he has to like in the middle of the scene, yank it off the, yeah. the railing and it just has like, it, it, the idea of those like, imp- those messy imperfections mm. that make it feel like you're watching something happening. Definitely. Whereas these days... None of the superheroes with capes ever... The capes don't exist. The capes are completely done in post so that they can drape perfectly, they can blow perfectly. And to me, it's not a matter of, like, is it photoreal, is it not? It's that it's... The capes move too nicely. Mm. And so then it just just doesn't feel... Tactical. You could do it CGI, and if they animated a CGI to look like that, Mm. hell yeah. But um, the only exception in the modern times, there was a movie recently, Blue Beetle... Have either of you I haven't seen it, but I know it? I know of no. it. I know Blue Beetle. It is excellent. It's the same kind of vibes. It's like the fun adventure vibes of um like Brendan Fraser era mummy movies. Oh, Stop. like just that tone of like there's a little bit of darkness, there's some humor, but it's not just like a Joss Whedon line, wink wink yeah. at an emotional moment. It's just the humor is very natural. And the suit is real. <gasps> mm. I miss you can films. see him running around in a real suit. I Highly recommend Blue Beetle because the- it it tanked, unfortunately, and I think it's one oh. of the best like recent DC movies. Yeah. It's fantastic. I want more films like Beautiful. that. I miss Blockbusters. Like Highly recommend. Mummy. I fucking love the mummy. I think that it was like my favorite thing to watch as a kid. So that sounds mm. I'll give it a watch. It's a lot that's a lot of uh bisexual people. I, I know it was Evie. It was Evie. <laughs> I know, I know. I saw this video of like Rachel Weiss at an award show the other day where they're like, what are you like looking forward to tonight? And she was like looking at all the beautiful women. And I was like, I get why <laughs> yeah. we all had this weird thing for Evie. Yeah. Um yeah, I know what you mean. The the, the suits were so fun. The outfits Which were fun. I the want one. I, when fun. I'm rich, and I, I when I'm rich, I want to find yes, one. Yes, and, buy and it. I, I also like I love <laughs> when uh, Poison Ivy is wearing the drag queen fucking yes. cone hair spirals. Yes. The by the way, Michael, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, makeup. This is not in my trivia, but like it, it apparently took hours. He had a strict twelve hour contract. God. Which they were like, oh, we have to really work around his. He can strictly only work twelve hours on set. I'm like, the fuck. What? Why is that? Why do you have to work? That's 12 hours, man. What the fuck are you talking about? But one of the things is that, you know how sometimes in some of the scenes his mouth is sort of glowing? Yeah. He had an LED put in there (gasps) um, with a battery (gasps) that apparently his saliva would leak into it and just start leaking battery acid in his mouth. What the fuck? I wondered how they did that. Yeah, they just put an LED in his mouth and he had to just fucking chew on battery acid. Oh, my God. That's fucked. I didn't read anything about him he, complaining about this movie in any way as well. There you go. What a champ. Well, but he he just like let anything that his face wasn't in, he let his stunt double do it. He's like, I'm not getting in the suit. He it was so cumbersome. Like that was apparently true for weighed, everyone. Weighed a ton. Yeah. Um George Clooney and, and Robin's suits were twenty two kilos each. Yeah. I read that the capes as well were like an additional Fuck eighteen kilos because yeah. they were rubber capes. Fuck off! Sorry, my rubber cat, capes and like a dense rubber. Ca- suit. Oh my god, yeah. my cat is ten kilos, so she's like morbidly obese. Imagine imagining two Cassies <laughs> having to be all over my body sounds. And then horrible. another. Well, no. And then another two. Cassies. And then another one. Yeah, on your back. <laughs> It'd be four and Batman Cassies. had the cow. Robin only had the the, the eye eyewear. Oh god. Yeah. Poor George Clooney. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I also wanted to ask with George Clooney, was this like his big thing after ER? Was this like yes. his He was still on ER. He yes. would go sh- he would show up to ER in the in the Batman oh outfit so for fun. So was this like his movie breakthrough thing? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it, it was he he credits it cuz he apologizes for them. He thinks he, it's a terrible movie yeah. and he refuses to let his wife watch it. <laughs> He's like there's some things that she should not well, see. Well, his wife is a very busy, um, beautiful, powerful woman, so <laughs> it, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um but he still credits this as the thing that broke him from TV into movies, because this was still at the time when that line wasn't yeah. was far more solid. Yeah. You're a TV actor, or you're a movie actor, or you're a washed-up movie actor who went to TV. Yeah. Mm. Oh man. Wow. I mean, I we 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 should we get into some trivia because we I should, feel like we're already dabbling around it. Bef- before we do, though, I do want to comment on at least two more things. Okay. One is the bit where because the, like the Poison Ivy's whole thing is that she kisses people to death again. Horny, she blows horny dust and she kisses people <laughs> to death. The kissing a woman in this movie is death. <laughs> the bit where she kisses Robin and then he's got the rubber lips. That's what on. I was going to say. The rubber that lips. That bit was fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's not. He's immune. It's not anything. He it's peels so funny. Off they look lips. so flimsy. I'm like, surely it still did something. You're really playing with fire, yeah. bud. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Chris O'Donnell, by the way, I know, uh, I'm sorry to say this in front of you, Shane. I know he's, you know, your first love, <gasps> but he is not a great actor. He's like, he is bad really this. bad in this. Some no, he's terrible, a good actor. some terrible line deliveries. He's genuinely Shane, fun. do not let his beautiful blue eyes. He's delivering lines exactly as they are intended to be delivered. Do not let his beautiful blue eyes get in the way of reason, okay? He, is, he delivers a very, uh, it's, it's, uh, not even an average performance, average to bad. Average to bad, Shane. It's not good. It's very flat. No, he no, can't emote properly. No, I think he was actually no. with it more in this than Batman Forever. I, re- I really didn't care for Batman Forever. Really? I was, was going to say, Batman Forever, you would because he has the holy rusted metal Batman oh, line. Man. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, <laughs> because it's like, it's rusted metal and it's whole. It got holes in it. Holy. Like, <laughs> it's the most poorly explained pun ever <laughs> it's so great though it's see if and they give him like a douchebag earring in they, that one too yeah they really do hey, they really wanted the to 90s. be cool dude <laughs> it's just what hot guys did look i i just want to leave uh, before we get into trivia on the one thing which is like alicia silverson shows up and she's like i'm batgirl and then batman says batgirl that's not very pc <laughs> what about bat person or bat you're named batman yeah. Your name's Batman, motherfucker. What are you talking about? When did girl become anti-PC? Why is girl worse than When woman? he's like, what about Batwoman? I'm like, okay, you think she shouldn't be a girl? I mean, she is like 17, but yeah. he's, he starts with Batperson. You're Batman. Yeah, I mean, Robin is effectively Batboy. Or, I mean, I know he's Robin. No, he's Robin. I know, but like, he's a boy. He's a boy. He's, he's a boy. And so she's a girl. He's just a boy. He was a boy. She was a girl. Can I make it, Can any, make more it any more obvious? obvious? Thank you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do date in the comics and then there's a whole subplot in one of them where Batman then fucks Barbara Gordon and it causes a falling out between him and Robin. Yeah, because that's really fucking with the face you're pulling. Listeners, Abby's pulling a face of as uncomfortable <laughs> as I think. I think everyone listening is pulling that face. Yeah, that's weird. It's that's a really weird, weird storyline. <laughs> I know he's not Alfred's granddaughter in the comics, but I was about to be like, he fucked Alfred's granddaughter? That's <laughs> fucked. No, he's not they have Alfred's- a trust... It- She's not Alfred. She's Alfred's niece. Oh. Pay attention. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> she is very young and he's very old. Yeah. Doesn't really line up. Anyway. Chris O'Donnell can do no wrong. We all okay. agree. All right. We yep. all agree. Yep. We all yep. agree. Yep. Well, on that note. We- I've chased I've chased his filmography because of this and watched some. <laughs> I've even got, I haven't watched it. He's got this like 
uh, rom-com he did with Renee Zellweger called The Bachelor. Oh, wow. Um, I watched, he was sort of became, because this movie kind of killed off his would-be next Hollywood hunk career. Mm. Um, and so he kind of ended up kind of doing a couple of things and then moved to, t- he's now famously in NCIS LA. He's like oh. one of the leads. Oh, dude. Um, but he, the, I saw a great movie. There's a movie called Vertical Limit, which is like um, that Stallone movie, but it's like the the B movie. He basically became a B movie actor, but for the contemporary yeah. versions of B pictures. Oh, wow. And I love it. I love everything he's in. I Real he's straight great. to DVD guy. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, theatrical okay. So still, still theatrical. B movies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there were like the, the mid-budget ones that were, they probably weren't going to make a, a killing at the box office, but they'd make it back at the... Once they got to DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I get you. Yeah. Do you guys want to hear some trivia? Oh, Hell yeah. yeah. Great, because um, uh, keeping with the theme on this episode, I got heaps. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. And I did. I couldn't read all of it. On IMDb, it can, you know, it, you go scroll yeah. to the bottom and there's like 50 more. 50 more. How many items 50 did more. it say at the top? 50 more. Uh, let me... I remember when I did Raw 1, it had 187 items. And I was like, oh... My God. But that was exciting because we were doing films at the time where there was very little to find on any of them. So it was quite quite a joy. It doesn't say. Oh, they must have changed the layout. They used to list how many items they had. Oh, yeah. It doesn't Never say. Mind. That's such a shame. But there's there's so many. Anyway. Um. All right. So according to... Oh, yeah. And also, uh, just so you know, Shana has some trivia as well, <gasps> which would be cool. Oh, my God. I hope that I don't have crossover trivia, but we'll see. Well, if, if you do, then we'll just skip. So uh, if we want, we can alternate, <laughs> or I can do all mine, and then you can do all yours. Whatever way you want to do. All right. I'll, I'll do mine, and then you do yours. And then we'll figure it out from there. So according to John Glover, who played uh, Dr. Jason Woodrue, Joe Schumacher would sit on a crane with a megaphone and yell before each take... Remember, everyone, this is a cartoon. It was hard to act because of that. The kind, uh, it was hard to act because that kind of set the tone for the film. Which I don't get where John Glover's coming from with that, but I just loved that Joel Schumacher apparently sat there and went, "Remember, everyone, this is a cartoon." Maybe that's why, for the first time ever, I really understood what Batman felt like as a comic. Yeah, <laughs> because it felt that way. It worked. There's that. There's a great bit when like someone gets a bit of hair and it goes, Doing! "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> it's like great. a cartoon. It has cartoon physics. It does. Um, most of the scenes with Batgirl were cut because Alicia Silverstone had gained a few pounds during production and the wardrobe team had to refit her costume. When the press discovered the news, uh, now this is also dubious, this first part, and I'll come back to that. With the, It's connected to the next one as well. When the press discovered the news, they slammed Silverstone's weight gain and mocked the actress for being too fat to fit in her costume. Director Joel Schumacher publicly defended Silverstone during interviews and yes. press meetings, joking, what is this girl's big sin? That she had some pizza? When the taunting continued, Schumacher lashed out at the reporters that taunted her. He said in a magazine interview, it was horrible. I thought it was very cruel. She was a teenager who gained a few pounds, like all of us do at certain times. I would confront female journalists and I'd say, with so many young people suffering from anorexia and bulimia, why are you crucifying this girl? Oh, he's such a good guy. A good guy. A stand-up oh. guy. Um, mm. related, 
Alicia Silverstone was brought on to play Batgirl in hopes of bringing in young women to see the film in theatres. She was a teenager at the time and was the victim of body shaming on the set Mm. and in public thanks to the cruel jokes of storyboard editor Timothy Burgard. At the time, it was rumoured that the young actress was having trouble fitting into the tiny Batgirl costume. Burgard says says this, I heard she was in the costume department being cinched into a corset to fit into what they were go- what they were going to try to do in the costume. Uh, so I did a cartoon of what I thought she looked like. I did it as a movie poster, clueless to the casting of Batgirl. It was a private joke, just the guys in the art department. The jo- the joke drawing got out, but uh, Burgard apparently got to keep his job. Be- because sorry, but Burgard got to keep his job because he never signed it. What the fuck? Yeah. Me and the guys in the art department, you sound like a bunch of fucking dickheads. Listen to yourself. It was just a joke for me and the guys in the art department. Yeah. Go hang. I know. It's such a, it's such mm. a weird fucking thing. Did, did did you hear anything in the commentary about that? No. Um, he was just generally nice about it. Like, the, the commentary doesn't have as much trivia as I was hoping it mm. would. Um, there's a bit more trivia, like, about uh, from, like, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. But the, his, his commentary is mostly, like, him taking the blame for anything that fans hated mm. and then praising the work of everyone else. Like, that's what he does in most of the commentary. So or then talks about, oh, that's a reference to here, that's a reference to here. Mm. That's in- it's, Which is perfect. I think I did find a quote of his about that. But can we hear one of your pieces of trivia? I want to hear them. Um, where, where there was a great bit. He was talking about how when he... His assignment for the film, basically, um, he... He had to, like, beg people to do Batman Forever because Batman Returns was such a mixed mm. reception that everyone was kind of... So, they had to beg people to get on board for Batman Forever. And then Batman Forever made so much money that then everyone had their fingers in the pie on this one. And it's kind of like the vibe of the film. It's like someone just said yes to every studio note ever. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and one of them, he's, an executive had told him that they wanted it to be more. And the word that he, he said, I learned a new word, it was... Toyetic. Yes, that's what I've got as well. Is yeah, it had to be toyetic. As yeah, toyetic. It had to be as many generate as many toys as possible, oh which God. is why there's so many gadgets. It's why there's so many vehicles. It's why they change outfits twice. Oh my it needed God. to be generate. That's why there's like three villains. I heard as so, many toys. Th- they're as they're possible. trying to get back in the McDonald's Happy Meal game after well, being ousted yes. by the parents. I think it was Hasbro, <laughs> if not just at least a toy company that specifically also consulted on the design of Mister Freeze's gun as wow. well. That's why it looks so like weirdly oversized. That's it would make a so great toy. Crazy. And yeah. did yep. a lot of toys get made out of this film? Oh, a lot of toys got made for all oh, yeah. four of them. Yeah, but so like there were toys of like Poison Ivy and Batgirl and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Yes. And Mr. Freeze 100%. with his gun. Yeah. It's right. it's part of why like Jack Nicholson in the first one. Yeah. Took a reduced pay cut, which for Jack Nicholson is huge. Yeah. He's so apparently particular about his pay. Yeah. In return for a portion of the, not just the film's gross, but of merchandise. Oh, wow. Because he knew so there would be a lot of Apparently fucking happy meals. made $90 million dollars from that oh, deal. Oh, my God. Holy crap. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. Here's another one. Uma Thurman felt that, who, by the way, is the is one of the only two, I th- no, I think the only major actor to literally never say, I'm really sorry, or I didn't have a good time, or I shouldn't have done it like that. Mm. Uma Thurman felt the campy and farcical tone fit the film, enjoyed the creative license she was given in regards to her character, and credits Batman and Robin as less of a career killer and more of her first real experience with a high-budget Hollywood blockbuster. I fucking agree, because she was great in it, She's and great. I had a great time watching her. Yep. Fucking, what, 25 100%. years on? I mean, there's nothing she should be ashamed about. Like, she shouldn't have to regret being in this film. It was great. She was great. 
I'm really defensive about this film now. I really liked it. You are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here's another one related to what we were talking about earlier, or rather what Shane brought up earlier. Chris O'Donnell revealed that uh, despite hanging out with Arnold Schwarzenegger a lot offset and during promotion for the film, they never worked a single day together because stand-ins were used whenever the other wasn't available. Mm. So basically, like, they were never in shared shots. But they knew each other. They'd, like, hang out. Well, yeah, they would, like, after set, they'd be hanging out and stuff. But most of the time, if it was, like, if it wasn't a shot of their face, they weren't there. It makes sense. I mean, like, every time they see each other, it's over this massive stage set of some bizarre fucking machinery. And they don't, you you never see them side by side. Yeah. Yeah. You never see them in the same frame. No. Or their faces, at least. Shane, did you have another one? For the Batmobile, uh, their Goodyear designed custom tires that would leave a tread print of Bats in <gasps> Oh my god. That's so And I have cool. a photo if you can see that it. Oh my god. Sick. That actually is so fucking cool. So Goodyear did that. Yeah, Goodyear oh did the tires. Oh my god. For it. That is so festive. Oh my god. That's do really they do special funny. releases of the bat tires? I feel like people would go nuts. No, they never they did it for the film, but they never actually did it as a release, and that would have been incredible. I, I mean, I we don't know if it's actually worry- road uh, Yeah, I was about to say maybe they're worried about like safety or traction or whatever, but <laughs> Let us have the bat it's tires. The bat symbol. I love that all of his things are bats because some of them I'm like that does not work as a bat shape. Like yeah. there's no way. Like some of his like grappling hook things. I'm yeah. like, do not make this a bat shape. Mm-hmm. You're going to die. They have five thousand grappling hooks on their body apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, screenwriter Akiva Goldsman, who I think we've come across before, doesn't recognize. Uh, he's doesn't he's, it he's one of the most famous yeah. um, screenwriters of all time. Um, which is part of what's incredible. Like it's fucking Joel Schumacher, Akiva. Goldsman, George What's Clooney. What's like, Goldsman done? I feel like I don't. He's <laughs> he's he did a lot of Ron Howard stuff. Oh. He's mo- multiple. He's one of the ones who like pop. You know the Robert McKee story yeah. seminar. Uh, Kiva Goldman's one of the ones who like made it really um uh, popular. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. That's really a beautiful cool. mind. A beautiful, a beautiful mind. mind. He wrote, like he, because Akiva Goldsman did the thing and then sung its praises to everyone in Hollywood, and then everyone in Hollywood started going to Robert McKee, oh. and then it ends up in adaptation where Robert McKee is played by um, uh, from Succession. Brian Cox. Uh, Brian yes. Cox. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, yeah. A beautiful mind. I Robot. Uh, I Am Legend. Uh, he did the Da Vinci Code, he did guys. The da Vinci Code. Whoa. I actually loved that film when I was a kid. Good fun. Um, so, screenwriter Akiva Goldsman was blamed for ruining the movie. Director Joel Schumacher defended him again. Schumacher Aww. defending. Quoting, Akiva, Akiva Goldsman was blamed for this sort of lightness and humor and fun and games. But that's not fair. I take full responsibility. I mean, Akiva did write the scripts, but I shot it and worked with Akiva. So, you know, if you love a movie, there are hundreds of people who made it lovable for you. If you don't like it, blame the director. That's what our names are there for. Which kind of made me appreciate both him and also like the job of like he really is like hey man if if you like it we all made it together and if you didn't like i'm here as the punching yeah. bag just blame me Joel yeah Schumacher, man great guy uh shane did you have another one uh yes so mr freeze's costume was supposed to be so secret from the press and they had so many press people that um uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was transported between the makeup chair and set in like a moving <laughs> fabric tent. Yes, it's like the shit they do for Taylor Swift when she's like getting <laughs> yes, to her fucking exactly. venue. That's great. That's incredible. I want a moving tent around me at all times. 
Um, here's another one. Director Josh Schumacher first realized that George Clooney would make a good Batman after seeing him in the film from Dust Till Dawn and drawing the famous cowl over Clooney's face in a newspaper advertisement for it. Oh, wow. This fact was unbeknownst to film critic Roger Ebert, uh, who stated on Siskel and Ebert and wrote in his negative review of this film, I've always suspected that they cast movie Batmans by their chins, which is all you can see when the costume is being worn and Clooney has the best chin yet. That's true. Um, coincidentally, producer Michael E. Uslan, who I mentioned earlier, was inspired to cast Jack Nicholson as the Joker by taking he- a newspaper picture of him in The Shining and coloring his face white and giving a red lips. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. I I know we didn't get much into it in the podcast, but I will in the in the episode. We're still in the episode. This in is the, it. In, this is it. You'll do it on but the night? We didn't get into it. Yeah, okay. Can I start again? I know we didn't get into <laughs> it much earlier. But George Clooney, I still think he gave very little in this. I wasn't a fan of his performance at all. I didn't think he was a good... Like, he is not a, a good Bruce Wayne, in my opinion. I thought he was better than He Gilbert. doesn't think he gave a good performance oh, either. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I really don't think he did. I feel like, again, the villain stole the show, and I feel like Batman was very lackluster himself. I thought he was better than Kilmer. He was a good chin. I will say that. I think I think especially I thought he was better than Kilmer, who who was fucking asleep in Batman Forever. Well, you and Shane will have to fight about that. I'm not I'm not involved. And my my problem with Batman Returns, the reason I didn't like it as much as Batman, is not enough Bruce Wayne. Mm. Whereas in this, I, I I guess I'd been so starved for Bruce Wayne in the last two. Sure, that we I was had just screen like time of Bruce Wayne, but did we really get any Bruce Wayne? You know what I'm saying? You know, we had quantity. Did we have quality? <laughs> We're talking about Batman and Robin. Yeah. No. What? No, we didn't have quality. No. No, exactly. With camp. George Clooney's performance. Fun. Yeah. We had fun. I I enjoyed his performance. I had a good time. No, Michelle. No. <laughs> Keep going. Um producer Peter McGregor Scott, who also his McGregor, McGregor Syndrome is named after Peter McGregor Scott. <gasps> Um, what a claim to fame. Also resented the film's emphasis on the merchandising toys, saying, I feel if you let a filmmaker just make a good movie, you'd sell toys anyway. Mm. There's no way on earth I can imagine a producer saying that now. And to be fair, no. you couldn't make like a good film like Goodwill Hunting. They're not going to fucking make Happy Meal toys out of that, are they? You know, just because it's a good film doesn't mean they're going to make toys. You have like a little a little Robin Williams and it's, it's not <laughs> yeah. your fault. Yeah, <laughs> you pull right. the pull the thing in the back, a little it's not bench. your fault. You squeeze it. Yeah, a little <laughs> bench. Collect the whole park scene. <laughs> I can't believe his name is really Will Hunting in that. I know, That's it's so, so stupid. stupid. Why is it? It's he's so good, stupid. Okay. He's good Will. What does that mean? <laughs> Whatever, man. You're good. <laughs> Will Hunting. It's a great movie. <laughs> the movie's fine. I hate the title it of it so much. <laughs> man. Um, you're really good. <laughs> you're really good. Will Hunting. <laughs> what is that? But also, if he's hunting for goodwill, what does that mean? I don't know, man. That's also not what he's doing in the... Well, okay, we don't need to get into goodwill. <laughs> this episode is so dense. We do, yeah, we, we need can't. to keep going. Um, the film was apparently originally titled Batman Forever, but stylized as Batman four as in the number four ever because it is the fourth film in the series however because the fourth film already took that title it was retitled batman and robin which is actually the original title for batman forever <laughs> which introduced robin i said that in this watch that batman and robin felt like a better title for batman yeah, forever absolutely uh... but i do think that batman forever is a better title than batman forever oh yeah well, especially yeah, yeah. as it didn't end up being the fourth film so what i mean this is the fourth film. No, I mean, sorry, 
Batman Forever didn't end up being the fourth film. Oh, sure, sure. But I mean, yeah. I mean, if that one was called Batman and Robin, because mm. that one should be called Batman and Robin. Yeah. Then well, this so one is it would... more about their relationship, the third film? It, it introduces them. Robin. Oh, it's his okay. whole origin and everything. Fuck, this right. is about Batman, yeah. and it's whole like he doesn't, he doesn't, he's like the kid. He's like, I hate your man, and yeah, it, it's very like about George Clooney letting him in on the whole Batman. Oh, thing yeah, and Robin finding yeah. a purpose. It's so thematically Batman yeah, and Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's a fair point. Now I'm realizing there's one that I thought I had written down. Um, that I I had that I'm going to have to find now. I'm gonna or I'm gonna absolutely fucking shoot I'll, someone. I'll I'll drop one while you're while you're. Oh looking. yes, please. So the the act the actor who played Bane, mm-hmm. his biceps are Guinness World Record biceps. Wow. Uh, they're like the biggest in the world. He died not long after oh. the movie, presumably from. Um, steroids. Yeah, he died of heart <laughs> failure. I read. Oh no. Ha- yeah, heart failure, and you're like. We yeah, all we know. all we all know, buddy. <laughs> yeah. We all know. Biggest muscle, biggest um, biceps. You said. Yeah, they, they were the Guinness World on. There were Guinness World Record biceps of some kind. Joel Schumacher said this in the in the commentary. Uh, Coolio in a sequel, a planned sequel to Batman and Robin before it bombed. Coolio almost played Scarecrow. Well, that's that's what I was about to talk about. So originally, oh, no, 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 this is perfect because because Coolio's in this. In the street race bit, they we we briefly see Coolio. Okay. Um, let me get this up on my phone a sec. We briefly see Coolio. Um, just with all the the um, what's the word I'm looking for? With all the money and everything. Um, and that was to set up the cancelled sequel because originally they were so like they were already planning it, and it was going to be called Batman Unchained. <laughs> <laughs> very silly as a title yeah. for Batman. <laughs> like Django. He- they were going to do that and they were going to do a, a, a Robin spin-off with Chris O'Donnell starring. Yes. Oh. Which uh, my my heart breaks oh. that we did <laughs> not get that In a movie. better world, he would have gotten that film. Um, yes. The, the, the thing is, it was originally going to be Scarecrow, who uh, Killian Murphy played in Batman yeah, Begins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And originally, originally, it was actually going to be Nick Cage um as well as like through that he would be able to like we'd see jack nicholson as joker again and like hallucinations and stuff as well as introduce harley quinn who was apparently going to be portrayed by courtney love and so then later instead of nick cage it became coolio and uh, the idea of george clooney chris o'donnell alicia silverstone that trio going up against coolio and courtney love i think i think (laughs) that movie would have been on this list (laughs) there's there's no way which one was coolio Scarecrow. Yeah, weren't you going to pull it up for me just then? I just did. Uh, do you want to know who Coolio is? Yeah, in the film, you said he was a street racer. Oh, no, no. So, like, when, when we see Alicia Silverstone go to yeah, do the street yeah. race and stuff, and then she starts, like, handing the money to the guy, that's Coolio. Okay, all right. You know, okay. Gangster's Paradise himself. Mm. I, I, got, I got two more. Um, Kane Hodder. Oh. Our, our good boy, best known for his, his playing Jason Voorhees, was actually Joel Schumacher's first choice for Bane. Uh-huh. Um, but Schumacher eventually chose Jeep Jeep Swenson. In part, Jeep Swenson. Jeep Swenson is his name. J- Jeep Swenson meet Chance Pistol. <laughs> Jeep Swenson with the biggest biceps in the world. <laughs> um, and his. I'm my- calling my child Jeep. <laughs> Jeep Ward. Jeep Ward. <laughs> my, I would say my other child will be called Blade, and then my third son will be called Fang. Blade, Fang, and Jeep. <laughs> my three boys. 
my sons, my beautiful boys. <laughs> my beautiful <laughs> my boys. Sons. My sons. Yeah, mom. <laughs> oh, Blade, my son. Blade Ward. Go <laughs> get your brothers, Cheap and... Cheap and Fang. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Fang is my favorite. You need to call one of them four. Yes. Four, four Ward. Ward. Oh, that'll be the fourth one. I can't believe Claude didn't take my surname. He would have been Claude Ward. He would have been Claude Ward. <gasps> yes. Horrible. Horrible. It's a crime. Yeah. I am bereaved. <laughs> um, Shane, did you have any other pieces of trivia? Um, only that, like, the entire idea for Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy being... Uh, the villains came from Joel Schumacher's nephew. Oh, I didn't know that. Because um, Joel Schumacher basically resigned himself to do exactly what the studio asked him to do for the movie. Follow It's toyetic, it's family friendly. And toyetic. so he went to his kid who, and he said, which are your favorite characters? And he says, I love my favorite villains are Mr. Freeze and Poison yeah. Ivy. And so Joel Schumacher went, bought every comic book, watched the animated show, researched the shit out of them, and that's why they're in the movie. Because he was like, a kid's going to know what a kid yes. wants. Mm. That's really sweet. And it is true. I feel like kids are a great uh, sort of source to go back to when and you're like, what do you enjoy? What's fun? I'm trying to make something fun. They played off each other better than Riddler and Two-Face. Yeah. The, my problem with Two-Face, Tommy Lee Jones 100%. should have been the straight man with anger problems because he's Two-Face playing off of crazy riddler instead they're trying yep. to like out riddler each other and it's just it's just a lot i yeah i think mr freeze and poison ivy was such a great villainous duo i really enjoyed them but they only teamed up after the midpoint like after yeah. the middle of the film it took them a while to come together anyway um here's my last piece of trivia this is one of three movies to feature two future united states governors acting in the same film Jesse Ventura, elected governor of Minnesota in 1998, who was one of the prison guards. <laughs> That's bizarre. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, elected governor of California in 2003. The other two films were Predator and The Running Man, both released in 1987, and all three of them are It's About Ventura and Schwarzenegger. Oh, my God. Wait, Ventura, <laughs> wow. he became a governor in 1998? Uh, yeah, you know, governor the, of Minnesota. Democratic governor year. of... <laughs> God, I had a packed two years. How did I not notice That's that there bizarre. was a year after? They're like, we loved you in Batman and Robin, please. <laughs> you know what's going to strengthen your campaign for governor in Minnesota? <laughs> was he already on the trail when this was released? <laughs> he must have been. Who he advised him? Been. Who ad- Did he go rogue over someone like, I think this would be a great I mean, he's strategy. a former pro wrestler as well. Oh, that's like- so bizarre. <laughs> I love it. This is like if The Rock and Stallone were both elected governor in a few years. Like, it's just... Can you imagine The Rock... Have The Rock and I... Stallone ever been cast in the same movie together? I don't think so. Can you imagine that pairing? Because I don't think The Rock has ever been in one of those Expendables movies. Yeah. The ones that have every action person. Dude, I feel like if there was just a film called, like, Sly versus The Rock, people would pay to see it. Yeah. Just be them beating each other well, up. Have you seen Jason Statham? Like, he doesn't need... It, it's just Jason Statham is in it. There's mm-hmm. one called The Beekeeper. That's, I've heard about the beekeeper. That's not a serious name for an action movie. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me that that's like, I got a real pitch for Like, that's like, what's a job? Uh, <laughs> beekeeper? Sure. The get Stephen to do it. <laughs> Apparently there's quite the number of bee puns. In oh, movie. okay. <laughs> I'm all punned out from this film, though, to be fair. Yeah. I've had my share. Not featuring any buzz. Um, <laughs> you, you guys want to hear some trivia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I just said trivia. Do you guys want to hear some reviews? Uh, yeah, you said you guys want to hear oh. some trivia. Like, so we just rewind and go back. <laughs> and- I am We're stuck forever. Now I have to do it. 
It's a loop. IMD Boss Baby decrees. No, Boss Baby, no. <laughs> All right. So this movie has 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. We're still in the 3.7s. Roger Eber of the Chicago Sun-Times said, wonderful to look at, although it had nothing authentic at its core and criticized its toyetic approach. Toyetic. Meanwhile, Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune called it a sniggering, exhausting, overproduced extravaganza. Rude. Which I actually think is not wrong. Even, like... It is yeah. an extra. It's it not exhausting. Yeah, it's an extravaganza in was, a fucking in a slay way. Again, I right? enjoyed it. I was a little exhausted. <gasps> I think if I was with like friends or at the theaters or drinking, I wouldn't. But just me in in my house just, at like ten in the morning, I was a little tired. Fun. You just don't understand fun, and that's okay. You're right, Abby. I don't understand fun. Only you understand fun. Thanks. <laughs> Damn it! She got me. <laughs> just double down. All right, here's an IMDb review titled I Love This Film by R underscore Mokanu. Ice to meet you, cry laugh emoji, laugh really hard emoji, cry laugh emoji. My life wouldn't be the same without this film. I think I would cry if I could never see this film again. Life-changing. Poised Ivy is very hot. I would be happy if I could if I could to have some bat skates and I don't think I would ever be sad again if I could just get the bat credit card. <laughs> I would kiss Loosen Ivy even if it killed me. Batman and Robin has made my childhood and molded to be the man I am today. A tragic story of Mr. Freeze. He is just a poor man trying desperately to save the life of his beautiful wife. He is not a villain, just a misunderstood soul. I'm a villain, not a monster. Whoa. 10 out of 10. Whoa, what? <laughs> the-, the ice skates were so <laughs> good. That whole like hockey sequence for no yeah. reason. Playing hockey with uh, a giant diamond. 10 out of 10. Fucking yeah, awesome. That was good. <laughs> Here's another one titled Part 4 is Better Than Part 2. I'm assuming referring to Batman Returns. Uh, by Jacob John Taylor 1. Establishing dominance all over the other Jacob John Taylors. Okay, so I like all the Batman movies. I'm tired of how underrated this movie it is. It is the fourth Batman movie. And I guess the first one and third one, Batman Forever, are a little bite better. But still, this is a great movie. Better than the second one, Batman Returns. And it is better than the last three. Chris O'Donnell is the best Rodan. <laughs> Sorry. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the best Mr. Freeze. Alicia S-I-L-V-E-R-S-T-O-N-E is the best Batgirl. George C L O O N E Y is great as Batman. Michael Keaton and Val K I L M E R were great too. U M A Thurman is great as Poison Ivy. Jeep S W E N Jeep Jeep S W E N S O N is the best Ben. Oh, Bane, right. But they wrote Ben. This is great movie. Great acting, great storyline, great visual effects. Joel S C H U M H E R is a genius. See this movie, see all the Batman movies. 10 out of 10. So were they spelling them out with a space between every letter or a dash? A, a dot. A dot. So like a like a oh. like a, almost as if to turn it into an acronym. Wow. What an effort for no reason. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> And with no, with no, like, Clooney and Kilmer, but not Keaton. And then Uma for the first name, and then <laughs> yeah. went back to the surnames. Um, here's another one titled, For the Glorious Movie Critics, by Juno-47177. Give it a break. 
this movie isn't bad. You were just expecting too much. This is not Les Miserables, people. It's supposed to be comical. It's a childhood character, so don't put your adulting to it. 10 out of 10. Don't say adulting. Well, it's, don't say that. Hey, hey, man, it's not Les Miserables. <laughs> um, and here's the last one, titled LMAO by Carlo Van der Vigli, 97939. The picture of poison ivy on and sorry, the picture of poison ivy and bane on the airport is a ten on itself. Ten out of ten. <laughs> Hard agree. You know where we see the shot of like we we found this picture of them sneaking into the country and it's poison ivy <laughs> yes. in like a big coat and a bane in yes. like a big trench coat and a hat, <laughs> yeah. but still wearing the mask. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Perfect shot. It's funny so film. funny. <laughs> so good. It's a funny film. <laughs> Just absolute perfection. You know what? You know what? I'm going to start. Shane, what's your review? My review will be a little bit long-winded, but I'll try and keep it short. I think the only thing in this movie that has truly aged is the R. Kelly ballad called Gotham City that plays during the credits. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's bad. Uh, and it's R. Kelly. Um, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that's well, just quickly, that's to say nothing of the Smashing Pumpkin song that was nominated for a Grammy in this. And I didn't know Kiss from a Rose was written for the Batman Forever credits. No way. It's not even the first song in the credits. No way. It's the way. second one. Yeah. What an iconic song. It's great. This was Because this was the era when soundtracks were so sellable on movies. That yeah. Everything. It was important to get a good song in, yeah. Um, anyway, continue uh, from, on. So from the opening line, which is like, chicks dig the car. And it's stupid and it's silly and it's because this whole movie is making fun of all of the straight machismo of, of this, like, genre of the comic books, of the uh, uh, all of that masculinity sort of stuff. Because that's how people, like, we laugh at those lines now, but that's literally how dudes spoke then. Oh, yeah. yeah. The car, you know. And it was so silly and so hammy and so cartoonish and so out loud and so gay. So, so gay. I... If I was, like, judging this just on its film terms, I'd probably say, because, you know, I think it's better than Ultraviolet, and I think I gave Ultraviolet, like, a seven when I was on that episode. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this is at least an eight. But then it <gasps> nice. but then it gets bumped up to a nine because it turned me gay. <gasps> yes. And then, and I, I just want to quote, <gasps> there was a quote because um, uh, th- there's a writer named Anthony Oliviero who when Joel Schumacher passed away, he kind of wrote a little obit. And I just have to quote it here because it was so beautiful. It says, At a moment when straight cinema wanted grim and grimy and gritty, Joel Schumacher made vibrant, beautiful candy box movies and they never forgave him for mm. it. I'm so glad we had his Aww. ferocity and his absolute refusal to tone it down. Making queer oh. people feel seen and straight people feel uncomfortable. What a legacy to aspire to. Oh. And so for the honour of Joel die? Schumacher, it gets another point and it's a perfect 10 out of 10 for me. When did Joel Schumacher die? Um, not long after he made the number 23. I think it was like late 2010s, mid 2010s. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, 2020. 2020. Oh, that's such a shame. That's beautiful. That's really lovely. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of thing is like all of the things that piss people off about this movie is it's, it's all the things straight people got really mad about. <laughs> That mm, queer yeah. people mm. were like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, queer people love Uma Thurman. Like, the gay men love Uma Thurman in this. The gay men love Chris O'Donnell yeah. in this. The gay men love the nipples. Yeah. You know, all of the things that people hate are the things that were, like, just capital G gay. And so it has to be a yes. 10 out of 10 for that. Camp, camp, <laughs> camp. Yeah. It was unashamedly camp. Abby, what about you? Uh, look, 
I'm so glad I asked Shane to go first so that now there's a lot of peer pressure around your school. <laughs> I know. Well, the thing is, I was going, I, honestly, I enjoyed this film so much. I was coming in with a pretty strong 7.5 out of 10. Nice. Because I really enjoyed it. I, 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 Uma was great. Arnie was great. The costumes were fantastic. Costumes the jokes were, my were funny. Part, I think. Yeah. And I think, mm. honestly, I feel like this is the first Batman film I really watched and was like, I get why people really enjoyed these comics as well. Like, mm. I just, I feel like it, it made me understand something about Batman and why people like it for the first time. Like, I don't get me wrong, I liked the Nolan films, but I never really felt like they came from the comics in yeah. a way. Like, they don't feel related. But this felt like the Batman old comic world. And I yeah. got it and I enjoyed it. Loved the vibe, loved the energy. But... Shane, I'll go up a bit. I'll go up to eight point ten, eight out of ten, because I, the the more I've learned about Joel Schumacher, the more I love yeah. him and mm. appreciate what he did with this film. So an eight out of ten, eight out of ten, perfect. Yeah. Now look, I, I think I think I was the one. I think I've come into this episode the least enthusiastic, not disliking, but least enthusiastic. I think part of that is I, I've just been watching through all of them. And I, I was just surprised by how good the Burton ones were. Mm. But also coming off the back of Batman Forever, both as like a, I thought I liked this more, but also of a, I'm a little exhausted. And yeah. I've, I'm kind of being just tired this week. It was maybe a bit much again for like 10 a.m. in the morning. Hey, maybe this is your taxi. Where I was unfair towards taxi because I was in a bad mood. Well, what I was going <laughs> to say is I also, <laughs> I also watched this less than a year ago mm. and I think any movie that I would watch twice within one year is worthy. Mm. I was coming in going, like, maybe I'll give it, like, a five. And then as we're talking about it, I'm like, it kind of is, like, a six. And then I was going to give it, like, a seven. I don't know if I can do a full eight, but 7.8? Nah, eight. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. It's an eight out of ten. It's an eight out of ten. You're right, Nishin, you're right. The Queerness and Joel Schumacher, it's It's, an eight. It's it's a great film. As a movie, I do think, like, for me, I think the best of the Batman movies, controversially, I actually think Batman Returns is the best one fair Ooh. but like just as a movie but batman and robin represents so many things outside of just the text that mm. elevates it which i think is part of it mm. Mm. yeah fully absolutely <laughs> is, is this the first time that our guest has given a higher rating than us because mm. usually we go really high I don't. I don't think it is the first. I mean, time. I definitely I think, gave the think, highest rating of Ultraviolet out of the three of us. True. Yeah, I, I was gonna say. I think True. that was actually the first time. Our standards were higher then, though, Michelle. So that does check out. <laughs> that's, that's also true. <laughs> we were harder to please. Well, how long was it? Like Shane, like two years, three years ago. Yeah, like, two and a half, half years ago. ago. It was definitely while I was really? in this apartment, and I've only been in this apartment for two and a bit years. Maybe two years yeah, then. I think two years. Yeah. It's, it just it feels like a lifetime ago because you know so much not only a lot has happened but like a hundred movies have happened or something. yeah <laughs> a lot of movies we've really watched so many we movies really through and this we're still here and we're still doing it every week for yeah. Shane every Shane I watched, alone I watched four movies this week <laughs> and that's not all of them. like for this just that's for this podcast for me. yeah. <laughs> well, I still sometimes I watch that many movies, but to do it for the podcast, right, yeah. you know, it's still four not, movies it's that still you know beating. are going to be of questionable quality. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it's it's still no Police Academy, or I watched all six of those in two days. Oof. That was um, tough. That, that was, was tough. That was too much. Yeah, it was too yeah. much. And I had a I had a guest come over and stay in my house while I was watching two of those movies. Who was that? I I don't remember. What? I don't remember. But someone was staying at my house and just had to deal with me watching Police Academy five and six. What? <laughs> right. Well, you know, hey, that's what we thought about Batman and Robin. Hey. Isn't that isn't that great? But hey. you know where else we have thoughts though? 
all sorts of social media. You can find us on X at Rate Descend Pod. You can find us on TikTok at Rate and Descending, or you can email us at Descending at gmail.com. I love the emails. Or you could find us on our personal accounts. You can't really find me, but Shane, where can people find you? You can find on me your on a lot account? of places. I will use this moment to plug. Um, I have a podcast that I would love for <gasps> yes. people to listen to. It's called One Season Wonders, and in it I go into the production and broadcast history of television shows that got cancelled after one season or less. Oh, love and then it. I interview the It's really great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then I interview people involved in it. I've interviewed an Emmy winner. I've interviewed a guy who produced Doctor Who. I'm super lucky, but I think oh. it's half the time these shows are the ones that they really loved, but then for whatever reason they didn't take mm. off. And so they're really passionate about it, but no one wanted to talk about it. And so mm. they're like, yeah, that I'll give you 20 amazing. minutes. And so I've talked to a guy. I talked to the creator of Cougar Town. I talked to an Emmy winner from Everybody Loves Raymond, uh, an editor. <laughs> oh. um, it, it's, I, I, it's, it, I have so much fun doing it, and it's exactly the podcast I wanted to make. Um, it's called One Season Wonders. It's on. You can find us on Instagram, One Season Pod, um, or Twitter at One Season Pod. Uh, and in, there's a couple of shows with the same title, but mine's like the big orange one, and it should be newer. So it'll be like hopefully higher up on the search functions. Um, and you can find me on, on I'm on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson. I'm still kind of on there regrettably. Um, and I'm on Instagram. At, it's 24 frames, but instead of a T, it's the number two. So 224 frames, if that helps. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. Listen to the pod. I'm really proud of it. And I'd love more listeners. Oh Every, God, everyone really should listen I to really it. want to listen to that. I'm sorry, you said Cougar Town as in the Courtney Cox yeah, show Cougar yeah, yeah, Town? Yeah, Courtney Cox starring Cougar Town. What? Uh, so Kevin Beagle, My the creator God. of that, and he was also a writer on um, Scrubs and South Park and oh. he's done a whole bunch of stuff and he co-created with, uh, co-showrunned um, a show called Enlisted. It's our first episode. Mm. It's legitimately like one of the best one-season comedies. It's, it's like a military comedy, mm. which doesn't sound like it's good comedy, but it's legitimately like if you like community parks and rec that kind of style enlisted is fantastic mm. uh and it was our first episode because it's like one of my favorite shows just period as so i was like yes this has got to be mm. number one and i got to interview both of them at the same time and it was oh. genuinely like a total blast i'm so magical so we've got a couple of cool episodes i'm hopefully going to be speaking with like a genuine like legend of television um if i if i got to finish his show and then there's a show a lot of the shows are unfortunately like no one watched it and it got cancelled and that's why there's no more episodes. But there's a show that was like the number one hit on its network and it got cancelled because it pissed the wrong people off. And so <gasps> hopefully um, hopefully I can and get that. It's hard to write the episodes because the shows got cancelled and so no one writes about them because no one thought they were worth mm. writing. So I've got to Frankenstein mm. the history together from like the most disparate one-sentence mentions in like a press release. <laughs> it's it's also a good way to get their attention because they're like, wait, you want to talk to me about the show that didn't get yeah. made? Fuck 100%, yeah. yeah. 100%. I got to even talk yeah. to a guy, a producer from Doctor Who and he's produced Luther and uh, about there was a Doctor oh. Who spin-off, which was our latest episode called Class, which is sort of like class, a Buffy yeah. but in the Doctor Who universe. And um, the producer was just the nicest guy, absolute nicest guy. And it's genuinely like really fulfilling making this show. So, oh, that's really oh. amazing. Hopefully, people- everyone go listen to that. But also, you can find me. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Michelle.Sinclair. You can find me on Letterboxd now at M. St. Clair. Um, and also, as always, please go stream. 
unerased on Instagram at minus 18 youth or on TikTok at unerased.tv. Uh, no Ordinary Love on YouTube at No Ordinary Love Series. You can now check out the trailer for Shippers at Shippers the Series on YouTube and Instagram. Also, go listen to One Season Wonders. That's my and and, <laughs> and I've got a short do film it. doing some festival runs at the moment um, that Michelle was a colorist on. She's an she's a whiz and she just colored the new one. Aww. And like I literally, this is a total sidebar, and the episode is running so long. There's a there's a shot of a blue cloth <laughs> sailing over the camera and. And I was like, can you just tweak? I just want that blue to be a bit punchy. And then I got the shot back and I see the shot and I went, Ugh. like I made like a ma- like an involuntary <laughs> mouth noise at just this beautiful blue just sailing over. And that's all Michelle's wizardry. So hopefully that'll Aww. play at a festival to you. It's a little, couple of little horror shorts. So <gasps> keep an eye out for them. Oh, oh shucks. <laughs> I'm going to keep all that in. <laughs> and don't forget to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really makes a difference. <laughs> so long <laughs> well that was <laughs> Batman and Robin Abby what are we watching next week are we watching- oh fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> you don't know either <laughs> next week we're watching Superman 4 the quest for peace wow have you ever seen those, the old yeah. two minutes? I mean I, I like Christopher Reeve yeah I've seen, I saw I the original when I was a kid they're good Superman in this film that's yeah. cool. Well, I mean, apparently this one no, isn't. No. I gotta watch four Superman movies next week. Look, I know we're running like we've, this is a long episode, but what there was this one morning that I was reading about Christopher Reeves <laughs> and how he broke his back, how he broke his back, and then I was thinking about what would happen if Claude <laughs> fell off a horse and broke his back, and how I would stand by him. And when he woke this up, I, I was crying. So I was crying in bed <laughs> so, next to him, you're, you're and he was like, "Why are you crying?" Dream? And I was like, "What was into the episode? It's your dream." Finish it then.